Hi there. Welcome back to Superhero Fatigue. I'm your host, Jacob Helker, joined by my co-host... Christian Cook. Ren Malone. And today, I want to preface this by saying that uh, this is our second take of this intro, because on our first take of this intro, I started introducing Iron Man 2 again, because I released and uploaded that episode today. I but thought he was having a stroke or something. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell you were talking we about. We are not. We're not doing Iron Man 2 again, I swear to God. And thank God. Thank God. We don't ever have to watch that movie again because I've already forgotten what it was about. I had to actually look up plot points to write the description for the episode today. I think it was about Black Widow's ass. No, that was just two very long lingering shots in that movie. Was it, was, it? it was about her superhero landings, I think, then. No. Today, superhero fatigue is going full patriotic. Da, 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 da. What was? Were you trying to do the Star Spangled Banner? Yeah, Did you I, think you were doing the national anthem? I was gonna do the national anthem, then I started singing "Here Comes the Bride." I'm trying to get my singing on the podcast more. Yes, folks, we're talking about Captain America: The First Avenger today. Yeah, we are. Isn't uh, Thor technically the first Avenger since he's like five thousand years old? But he's but Captain America is like isn't he the first one to like heed the Avengers initiative call? I guess like to no, really. No, I think it? it's more he's the first superhero on Earth, like defending Earth from. I anything. guess I can get on board with that. Yeah. I can get on because, board because like that. Thor shows up on Earth. And they're like, oh, he's a god, and he just casts some lightning and then flies away. Well, Thor had been on Earth before. Yeah, I just, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they chose to add a subtitle at all to this movie. Like, why isn't it just Captain America? Yeah, well, maybe maybe they were kind of getting, like, a better idea of, like, oh, this is going to be, um, you know, this is going to be a franchise not just with multiple films, but with multiple films per character. And mm. so it's, like, for... For differentiation's sake, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I guess so. Anyway. All I know is, like, the subtitle confuses me when people abbreviate it, because I don't know if they're talking about The Force Awakens or The First <laughs> Avenger. Uh, one of those. It's a whole thing. It's bo They're both TFA. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was actually the very first MCU movie I ever saw. I'm not kidding. Ooh. I didn't see Iron Man or anything whenever it came out. I mean, I saw this first. Yeah, I, think, I love Iron Man, but this is still a hell of a way to start. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This, I think this, this was the first one I didn't see in theaters. Oh, no kidding. I yeah. think this was the first one I saw in theaters. I think I saw Thor in theaters. Wait, I thought you had seen every movie in theaters and you remembered the exact age that you had seen it in theaters. I've seen every MCU movie <laughs> in theaters, starting with the Avengers. Oh, okay. I might've actually <laughs> missed Iron Man two in theaters. See, Iron honestly. Man. Two yeah. Was by, does the drive-in count as the theater? Which, uh, which yeah. is the first oh. of these movies w after like Disney acquired Marvel? I think, it was the Avengers. I think the Avengers was the first one. Well, this, I noticed at the end of the credits on this one, it says Walt Disney soundtracks for the soundtrack. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. this was like the transitionary huh. film. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. Anyway, of course, Captain America starring Chris up. Evans, who I love. Yes. Um, yeah, he's, he's, I love Chris Evans. I think he's awesome he's in this role. He's a delightful role. person. He, I, I, I enjoy him. Even in the Fantastic Four movies, I didn't hate Johnny Storm. 
Well, I I hated Johnny Storm, but I, I think I was supposed to hate him a little bit anyway. Yeah. I mean, his character is meant to be a little he's meant to be a little hateable. Yeah, that's true. He's like a pesky younger brother. But anyway, that whole movie is garbage and I would love to review that someday. Oh, we will. Oh, yeah. Um do you uh do you have the do you have a synopsis or yeah, do you yeah. want me to run the synopsis? Okay, right, so let's jump in. Uh, the movie opens in some snowy region somewhere. Where is this? Do they specify ever? It, uh, I no. think it's, it's implied that it's like uh, Antarctica or something like that, but I have no idea. Well, it's he's in... flying towards America whenever yeah, the plane goes down. Yeah, I think it's down. somewhere like right near Greenland. Like maybe northern Canada or something? No. Or it's, like... It's, it's, uh, it's in between Europe and... Uh, north america so it's pr- somewhere around like greenland i think anyway somewhere as, icy. as is typical to movies like this it doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't matter you, you don't it's yeah it's, it's like a, yeah it's cold there's a bunch of ice <laughs> yeah so some men presumably shield yeah I, that's who I, i'm assuming so. yeah they uh they uncover a plane and they find captain america inside well i guess they just show a shield they don't yeah. actually show him but it's one of those like get the colonel on the line type things. Yeah. I uh it's like um which is it's so weird um every time they say like get the colonel on the line because you would think that people who are that high powered like if you're a high powered military service member or something don't you have like a secretary or something like it's so weird that like people can directly call the president or people can directly call these high ranking military officials like you think that there'd be a couple of hoops to jump through. Maybe whoever it is is like Coulson is like a huge Captain America fan, and they know he's gonna want to be awake and hear about this. <laughs> well, I think when they I say guess. get the colonel on the line, they're talking about Colonel Nick Fury. Is he a colonel? Yeah. Oh. And so his uh his assistant is busy uh waving her ass in front of Tony Stark in a bunch of long tracking shots. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. Twice, twice in one film. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, John Favreau. I appreciate, perv. yeah, I appreciate yeah. that camera. That it's like it's like she had a GoPro mounted to the top of her ass, looking down at it. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the movie backs up to uh, much like Scarlett Johansson. Yes, the movie backs that thing up to World <laughs> War II. God. I think like 1943. Uh, yeah, and where where are we? Uh, Brooklyn. No. Wait. It's Red Skull. Oh, okay. Um, uh, somewhere in Germany, you have to. No, assume. no, no. Oh, is he, this when he gets the Tesseract? He's like in a Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah, church. I think he's in Norway. Norway, Scandinavia, somewhere. I don't know. He's somewhere it's, somewhere in in Viking Europe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he's at a church. And uh, yeah, basically, the gist of the scene is that he gets the Tesseract, which is this glowing cube thing have we talked about that previously on uh, i think we um, mentioned it briefly but uh, yeah because it was in the thor stinger yeah to to run it down the tesseract is the MacGuffin of a lot of these earlier mcu movies it's the big MacGuffin in uh, avengers yes. it's basically just like this glowing cube that has a bunch of power in it it's very non-specific as MacGuffins kind of are well yes. most not, of the time not anymore it's the space stone well no but but yeah but at that at that time things yeah, at are, the time we didn't even know infinity war was a possibility yeah it's and just even power even knowing it's like a, a space stone um you still don't know exactly how 
much power it has That's by true. itself. I mean, comic nerds might know, but the general public definitely doesn't know, and they don't really show you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did notice that in this movie, the Tesseract, like the actual Tesseract, because he pulls out this buried body that's got this plain-looking glass cube. He drops it, it breaks, and he says, you wouldn't bury the Tesseract, and he pulls open the secret vault and finds yeah. the actual secret one. vault hidden behind a like carving mural yeah. thing yeah. of the tree that Thor drew yeah. in uh, Thor, the tree of life or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but uh, it's, yeah. it's again, it's, it's pretty nonspecific and that's fine. It's like kind of a throwaway, like, ah, oh, this title that I will assign this thing. And then it doesn't no, really matter so it, much. It's a big deal. Like it's a big thing from Norse mythology. But it's it, like they're but Mount it, Olympus. But it's, but it is, but it is a throwaway line in this series. It's oh, a throwaway. Yeah. It's a throwaway concept. It's yeah, just like, ah, oh, this symbol is here. What's the thing that you it's notice? It's so much brighter in this movie than it was in the stinger after Thor, or it is in uh, the Avengers. Huh. Like, like I almost didn't want to look at my screen when he had this cube out because it was just blue light. Dang, I didn't more I didn't CGI light difference. rays. Yes, says we director. get a big blue light beam in the sky. Yes, in this we movie. do. Oh man, we get a lot of blue beams in this movie. But yeah, but yeah, yes, but there in is particular, there's big blue beam in the sky making his reappearance. Um, man, I love him. <laughs> so then we cut to uh, America, uh, where this is like New York City. And uh, Steve Rogers? Yeah. yeah. Man. Steve, Steve Rogers. Come now. I totally forgot his last name there for a second. He's trying to enlist, but he has too many health complications and stuff. And this is this is Chris Evans, but it's his head on a tiny little man's body, on DJ Qual's body. Get the hell out of here. DJ Qual's, <laughs> Jay Baruchel. It could be any small man, honestly. Yes. This yeah, is... it's... But, yeah, he's supposed to be, like, a shrimp who can't make it into the military because he has asthma. I think they make several asthma jokes. He's got asthma. The two things that I noticed on, like, his 11 things that disqualify him were asthma and chronic colds. (laughs) And then there's, like, nine other things. Yeah, he's got, like, heart palpitations and all sorts of stuff. What a weenie. Uh, He's he's got a microscopic body, and I can deal with the head being on that body because they kind of CGI'd it down a little bit. But Chris Evans has sort of, like, this powerful commanding voice. Yeah. And there's no way in hell it's coming out of that guy. It's weird... um... I honestly don't think the CG is bad for no, this at I, all. No, I, I actually either. love it. And yeah, there I think it other, works perfectly. There are other points in the movie where the CG is god-awful. Yeah, yeah. But, absolutely. That's my biggest gripe with this movie. And Which is crazy because, itself. yeah, he looks he looks pretty convincing. Yeah, mm-hmm. for me, I honestly, I for some reason, I it didn't make it through. Like, I knew who Chris Evans was. I know how tall he is. And it never crossed my mind that it was probably CG. And so for years and years, I just assumed that he had really shrimped down and then really beefed up. And I was like, hey, shooting schedule for this movie. He Christian bailed in The Machinist. <laughs> he really, yeah, that's and exactly then Christian what, bailed in Batman That's Begins. exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking like, oh, I guess if Christian Bale could do it, then what the hell ever. <laughs> Man, that would, that would ruin your but body, yeah, I would think. Yeah, he looks like he weighs about 100 pounds. And although it is a little weird, I want to add, Chris Evans' head is a, just a little too square for this body. It's, it looks a little too big. Yeah, on his so, body, it's perfect. Yeah, but on this little tiny body, he he looks 
kind of like he has baby proportions. Like he's just got this big bobbling head. I want to. I actually. I want a bobblehead figure of this <laughs> of shrimpy and Chris it's Evans. Just that. <laughs> like they don't have to do anything to it. They he just make a, it too scale. He has a sad face and a form that says, "What is it? 4F or whatever yeah. the denial stamp is. 4F. 4F and 1A." <laughs> Um, side note, his dad died of mustard gas and I can't remember what they said about his mom. His Either- mom was a nurse, took a hit and never got up from it. Or I think she no, might've been was, a no, she was nurse. A, she was, uh, she was a nurse in a, uh, I think it was like a, was it typhoid and a typhoid fever ward? And then she, I guess she got typhus. And died. Mm. That's I'm pretty sure. Okay, I knew there was a hospital involved, and I was like, Yeah, I think either she was, she was she, working there and died, or yeah, I, no, I think she was a nurse in a typhoid ward, and she ended up catching typhus and dying. His mm. the line that he says talking about how she died is, she took a hit and never got up. It, she was what smoking a cavalier that, way to talk about your mother's death. She was smoking that wacky tobacco. One hit is all <laughs> it takes, guys. You oh, gotta be careful. Whoa. <laughs> she's falling back into like a swirl of syringes. She's got a tattoo now. Oh, <laughs> she showed some ankle. She woke up with Mike Tyson's tattoo and a tooth missing. <laughs> <laughs> she's played by Ed Helms. Um, she's played by Ed Helms. <laughs> so eventually Steve goes to the movies and he deals with a heckler. Uh, I thought this was so funny when they're showing the little like military propaganda film at the beginning. Uh, they say like something about every able body, every able bodied young man, uh, can help out. It's just like a gut punch for him. Yeah, and they he say, feels like he's like a miserable piece of shit. But if you think about it, he is not an able bodied young man at all. That's yeah. the whole joke is that he's not an able bodied young man. I didn't know that it was Whoa. a joke. I thought it was just him feeling guilty because he was an able bodied young man, not doing his part. No. I thought the movie just wanted me to know that Steve was deluded. They're saying any able-bodied young man is like is signing up. That's why and... they include the term able-bodied. I know. Man, because... I'm surprised I did not see... I, I, I physically saw that fly over your head. It looked like a little toy plane. <laughs> well, then they even <laughs> they say guys. even little Timmy does his part. <laughs> and it's like a little kid helping out with war bonds like, or yeah, something. He's, he's like a... He's like uh, like going through scrap metal or something like that. <laughs> it's just like a one-two punch. Here, this is what you get to do, little Rogers. Chris Evans. Anyway, and then there's some jackass who's just heckling and saying like, "Get, get to the cartoon already" or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, and don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Of course, nobody's all. Nobody's gonna be in favor of war all the time. But who like? Was there no movie theater etiquette in the 40s? Like, it doesn't matter what you're yelling at. Don't yell at the screen ever. Also, man, at like, America's gearing up for World War II, and you're going to heckle about this military film being <laughs> Yeah, played? hell no would that happen. <laughs> no. Yeah, back then, it was it, that was the most gung-ho, patriotic time in American oh, history. God, yeah. There's no way a, a single person in New York City would be like, I don't care about the troops, I just want to watch cartoons. Yeah. I mean, and Steve Rogers does like immediately pop up with way too much confidence for someone his <laughs> yeah, size. And he's like, shut up, dude. Hey, won't you show some respect, he said. 200 pounds heavier in his head yes 
And then next thing you know, he's in the alley and this guy's beating the crap oh, out of him. He's getting his He's ass picking up kicked. like a garbage can, like a round garbage can lid and holding oh, it and like he a holds shield. it up like a shield. What does that Whoa. mean? Then um, he says his catchphrase. You know that classic Captain America catchphrase? I'm what is from it? Brooklyn. He doesn't say that. I know. It's a joke. <laughs> what? It was oh supposed gosh. to be a joke. I'm bad at jokes today. Uh, boy. No, he uh, is. I can do this also, all day. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then Bucky just kind of finds him there. Like, yeah. Bucky just walks on up. This is like Sandman and Venom meeting in the alley in Spider-Man 3 by chance. Maybe well, that's because Steve texted him and said, about to get my ass kicked. Come help. I'm <laughs> maybe here. maybe Steve and that guy both go to the same theater regularly, and so he gets his ass kicked every couple of days in that same alley, and Bucky's <laughs> like, oh, well, at a military basic training, better my go help Steve today. My favorite thing about this is... Bucky like throws him over, punches him in the face, spins him around, and literally kicks him <laughs> in the ass. I know he he like cartoon kicks him off the stage. It's he's get so out funny. Of here. Yeah, he like, does oh, this. You crazy kid, get out of here. He does this to the bully, not to Steve. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bucky Bucky comes along and and beats the crap out of this bully, kind of. Although yeah, it's definitely cartoon like. It like, is very cartoonish. God, the more I think about, but it's very appropriate for like the time period that they're I, yeah, setting it I in. Yes. <laughs> the more I think about this scene and the scene right before it in the actual auditorium, the more Skinny Steve pisses me off. Because in the auditorium, he's too brave, and then he's getting the shit kicked out of him in the alleyway, and he's like, "I can do this all day." No, you can't. You have no, asthma, you man. Can't. You're he, prone to colds. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> um, moron. So eventually they go on a double date um, with some dames, with some dames, <laughs> some broads. <laughs> we do uh, not condone the use of the word broad or dame. Dame's not, not uh, as bad. It's not good, but it's not as bad. Yeah, dame's a little demeaning, but I guess it's not like it's not mean. <laughs> yeah. I And when I say that they go on a double date, I mean, there's a girl for Steve and there's a girl for Bucky, not. Uh, what so many fans would wish that it's Steve and Bucky, <laughs> not the fan fiction dating version each other, of this, which I'm sure well, exists. Really, what we mean when we say he goes on a double date is there are two girls for Bucky, and Steve's there. <laughs> and Steve walks behind everybody. Bucky definitely else. has a threesome this night. Oh yeah. man, I was yeah. thinking like he's about to get shipped off to he's to wearing London. his uniform. He's looking all handsome. Oh yeah, and he's got one girl in each arm, and they're both like, oh Bucky, giggle, 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 giggle. And so I what? know that was, was that I was noise? supposed to be saying giggle over and over again, but instead it came out. Now that was weird as <laughs> shit. One of the actresses, the the dark haired Jake's girl, had a few strokes tonight. Well, well, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I haven't. <laughs> I, one I of haven't. the dark haired girls, the dark haired girl that's on the double date, like the girl that's supposed to be for Bucky is uh, for anyone who's a Doctor Who fan, they'll recognize oh, Jesus. her from... Leave me alone. I like the show. She played one of the companions in uh, Series 11, I think. Um, wait, nobody who's a Doctor Who fan will listen to this podcast because this isn't a podcast based on Doctor Who. That's true. I'm a, I yeah, like this Doctor isn't, Who, and I listen to lots of things. This isn't called the Checkered Scarf Podcast or whatever bullshit. It's not checkered. <laughs> it's just lines. Oh, the Poppycock Blue Telephone Box Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Why am right. I not allowed to like things in front of you guys? Man, I don't mean to hate on Doctor Who. Doctor Who's influential, but... 
I the show's good. I get hating the fans. I get it. And I don't anyway, hate all the fans. Back but I to hate this all the movie. Ones. Yeah. Sorry guys. So they go on this double date with Doctor Who, and her uh, name's Jenna Coleman. This is where they get to the Marvel's year-long expo thing that's going on. Yeah. yeah. How much money does this thing like? I get that Howard Stark is incredibly rich. But you've got like untold technological inventions that you got to maintain and demonstrate all the time for a year. Well, he's a, a Stark, year? so he's probably also paying for every single U.S. soldier's uh, fees or what, like <laughs> something for every single one of them. He yeah. personally autographs every bullet that goes into their guns. This <laughs> does have my fi- one of my favorite Easter eggs in all the MCU, though. There's What's a scene that? you know what it is. I know we what talked it is. about it. There's a scene where you see a glass tube what is it? with a sign that says, what? like, the man of the future or something like that. And you see a guy wearing, like, an orange suit or a red suit. And that is a uh, Easter egg of Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch and one of uh, Timely Comics at the time, Marvel Comics now, original superheroes. Yeah, I think it's their first superhero. Uh, Which, I think it's either him or Submariner. I'm really not sure. I'm pretty sure it's the Human Torch. Because the first three are, yeah, it's the Human Torch, Submariner, and Captain America are the very first three they ever had. I'm just not sure which one came out first. It was the Human Torch. I believe it. I do not read comic books, so I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. I just thought it was cool. And it it kind of... Uh, the The connection is kind of a big deal because... Uh, you know, Chris Evans plays the more modern Human Torch yeah, in the Fantastic Johnny Four Storm. movies, or he did. More and mo- by more modern, you mean the incredibly two thousands yes. <laughs> Human Torch, the embodiment of two thousand and three yeah. Human Torch. I was nine when the last one came out. Oh modern wow! Modern movies. Um, <laughs> well, and I remember when he was cast as Captain America, there was a lot of fan hate thinking oh i was one of the fans oh my hating. gosh they got the guy who's like he's already in a superhero movie he shouldn't be able to do another one yeah and also like we hate those movies mm-hmm. and now they're gonna he's gonna ruin this one or something well and another big thing for me was at the time there was still a rumor going around that brad pitt was going to be playing captain uh america and phasma yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was going to be playing Captain Phasma. Gwendolyn Christie just but he barely wasn't beat tall him out. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> he got marked 4F. I remember hating the announcement that Chris Evans was going to play the role because I was a little dummy at the time, and I thought, you know, Ben Affleck's blonde. Not Ben Affleck. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Ben Foster, you mean. Yes. <laughs> Our favorite I didn't here at hate the Superhero it. Fatigue Home. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. I thought they could surely do better than Chris Evans. Yeah, I I didn't like it at the time just because, you know, my thinking was how are they – what if the Fantastic Four and Captain America meet up? How are they going to do that? And then I realized that can't ever happen and my life's going to be miserable. Thank God. It's fine because, yeah, uh, I think they flushed that movie. The second that movie hit DVD, they flushed it straight down the toilet and never spoke of it ever again except for a few years later, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So um, they're at this expo, and uh, what's his name? Howard Stark is there doing, like, a big display. He's uh, got this hover car it's thing. Tony Stark's dad. Yeah. Iron Man's dad. 
who looks and acts pretty much like Tony Stark, except a little nicer. Yeah, he's yeah. showboating. He comes out and kisses one of the girls, like dancing girls. Um, Which, yeah, the, the mere fact that he has dancing girls at this expo is enough to tell you that this is Tony Stark's father. Yeah. But whatever it is that he's working on, he eventually gets it fixed. I think they use it in Agent Carter and in S.H.I.E.L.D. The hover car thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've seen neither of those. I just, I've seen both. Big I fan. just know that information for some reason. <laughs> um, so Steve ends up leaving early to try and go enlist again. And he's been like falsifying his information so that he can try over and over to enlist. And uh, Bucky comes looking for him while Stanley Tucci just kind of stands there watching him. It's very much like uh, Clark Gregg watching. Um, it's like Coulson watching Tony Stark and Pepper Potts when they were dancing with each other. He's yeah. just there looking at him. And I was like, what in the heck is this guy doing? But he has a purpose for being there, or at least a purpose for being intrigued by their conversation. Uh, because he's playing Dr. Abraham Erskine, who, uh, what is, what, what's his backstory? He defected. Yeah. He, Hitler came to him and asked him to, uh, to, uh, help him with creating a super soldier. Um, and so he had one experiment that failed. That failed miserably. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Uh, and so he, if, yeah, he defected to the U.S. Is that failed experiment going to show up in this movie at huh, all? Huh? Maybe. I don't is know. he going to be like red? No, the crimson cranium. Is it the red shin? The crimson chin. Is that what it is? The crimson chin. Oh, the crimson chin. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, that's from the Grim Adventures or something or something. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you ever notice me saying it wasn't, that's just me impersonating Ron Howard. Saying in Arrested that. Development. Yeah, in Arrested Development. <laughs> so, Another big thing we love here at this house. Uh, Steve gets checked out, and uh, they're probably going to fail him, or at least uh, say that he can't enlist. And then uh, Dr. Abraham <laughs> Erskine comes in, and he asks Steve if he wants to kill Nazis and Steve says he doesn't want to kill anybody. He just doesn't like bullies. That's why they didn't get Brad Pitt. Every time they tried to film this scene, they were like, do you want to kill Nazis? He's like, yeah, I want me 100 Nazi scalps. <laughs> I Man. will get my 100 Nazi scalps. Uh, I have a little bit of an annoyance with this because the super soldier serum is supposed to make captain America. Like, you know, uh, like the good qualities in Steve Rogers become great qualities in Captain America. Which, if you want to talk about bullshit science. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My God. But You're nice. Now you're... Very nice. But, but there <laughs> is no... Nice. But he doesn't become any more good later on. He's just a Boy Scout already and keeps being a Boy Scout. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just, it, like It's like is, a physical manifestation of his goodness. As muscle mass. I, I get Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, this is some bullshit science. But, yeah, it's like he... Uh, also, if you're bad, it turns your whole head red. <laughs> <laughs> your nose just falls off. Oh, no, my mean gland was over active. <laughs> it secreted too much mean juice. I sniff... I used to sniff out the juice, but now my nose is gone. <laughs> Um, Erskine also calls Steve Mr. Rogers, which is about right for his personality type. <laughs> yeah. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. 
Um, and then in the mountains somewhere, uh, the guy who stole the, uh, freaking cube, the Tesseract, the Tesseract, uh, Johan Schmidt is his name, which I'm (laughs) Johan Schmidt just translates to John Smith in English. (laughs) So, and he's an agent for the Nazis. So he is agent Smith. (laughs) <laughs> and he's Hugo Weaving. Yes. Oh my God. Hey. Uh, Agent, Agent Schmidt. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> Agent. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. How can you make a phone call if you are unable to speak? Unable to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're sweating in the, a little bit, Christian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> up in the mountains, uh, Schmidt and his, basically, uh, as you were saying, Jacob, his Igor, Doctor Zola, they they test the Tesseract's ability to power their machines. Um, and when he first says Zola's name, I thought he said Modok. I wasn't like fully paying attention to the movie <laughs> and he's off screen when he says it. And, uh, Zola's looking through a magnifying glass when you first see him. So his head looks huge. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. What? Look, I'm, I'll be honest. I could totally picture Toby Jones as the face of Modoc. Well, not the voice, but definitely the face. Uh, Modoc is yeah. a, do you know who Modoc is? Jacob? No, I have he's, no idea. He's a character from the comics who's j- basically just a big fat head with tiny arms and tiny legs. That's exactly yeah. what this guy is. Yes, <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a like a a white man colored trash bag with googly eyes glued onto him. That's pretty he's, accurate. Yeah, <laughs> and um, this is him. Hey, yeah, that could work. <laughs> yeah. But. It's actually uh, an homage to his character from the comics because Dr. Zola ends up being like a robot mm-hmm. with a screen where you could see his He's face. He's just a walking television. Which is kind of like you just see his face through this magnifying glass at the beginning, yeah. and, and that's clearly what they're doing. I wonder if we're going to get a taste of him doing that in any later movies. So he does look similar to Modoc, but he does not look nearly as ridiculous. And yes, we will get a taste. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Mm. Uh, Sounds good. Before that, Steve goes to boot camp. Oh yeah! Because Doctor Erskine approves of him uh, to be in the military, and so we meet Peggy Carter and uh, Harvey Dent, and uh, <laughs> it's it's Tommy Lee Jones. And, oh man, uh, I I actually love Tommy Lee Jones in oh, this movie, too. man. He's just he's, he's just Tommy Lee Jones, but I it's, mean, but he's, it's, it's but exactly Tommy, what you need. Yeah, for but this he's part. Tommy Lee Jones enough for this role for yeah. sure. He's, yes, he's like the foil uh, to you know Doctor Erskine 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 Erskine. He uh, you know he believes he believes that uh, that Steve is the right person for this super soldier project, and Tommy Lee Jones' character is there the entire time as his foil. Like, well, ah, he's not the saying, right guy for the job. He's not ready. He can't basically do it. He's Erskine. Too Erskine is playing K, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones is playing Zed yeah. from Men in Black. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, at one point, they're, like this is this like group of scenes where they show off like, Steve's tactical ability. At yeah. one point, they're all running, 
and they get to the halfway point, which is this flagpole, and their drill sergeant's like, whoever gets me that flag gets a ride home with Agent Carter. And all And Agent Carter, dudes. since we haven't really established it, is a hot British woman. Yes, she is. Who yeah, can kick ass, too. Yeah, she's she's a, a badass. This, this is actually probably the best female character, I think, that we've had in any of the movies that we've so reviewed. Far. Oh, for sure. Definitely. It's like because it's in the 40s. And so it's true to like the the misogyny of that time where people are like like she walks up to this soldier and he's I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's he says, I thought I thought I enlisted in the U.S. Army because um, oh, because she's British. (laughs) And then he says something misogynistic to her. Yeah, He says like, I got some moves you really like or something like that. She says, stick out your front leg, your right leg and all everybody watching the movie is all like, oh, man, she's going to do some like sweet leg sweep neck chop or something weird like that and then she just punches him in the face (laughs) she just punches him right in the face and it's awesome yeah it really i think that it speaks a lot to like uh it speaks a lot to like her character because you know she talks later about how she had to like rise above yeah she had to rise above being a woman in this time to to get Establishes that pop right off, and yeah. I love it. She straight up punches this dude. Yeah, Agent Agent Carter is a and badass in this movie. Man, she must have. She had to rise fast too because mm-hmm. she can't be more than like early twenties at most in this movie because she's in Winter Soldier, the sequel, and she's still alive, and it's seventy years later. So she's at least ninety in that movie. Yeah. Minimal. She enlisted in special services uh, on her twelfth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, this is. Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. So uh, all these, they're all running in formation. Agent Carter and Tommy Lee Jones are driving ahead of them ever so slightly. Steve's in the back, bent over, panting because he can't catch up. He can't run like them. Get it? He has asthma. <laughs> you know. And then, uh, and heart palpitations <laughs> and chronic colds. <laughs> <laughs> he just got a cold right before he went into basic training. Man, what a bad week for Steve. Oh, yeah. But, uh, they get to a flagpole, and the drill sergeant's like, This flagpole marks that we're only halfway done. Whoever gets me that flag from that flagpole gets a ride home with Agent Carter. And all these guys start running and clamoring up it, trying to grab it and everything. And, the drill sergeant's like, no one's got that flag in 17 years. He's just screaming and yelling at them. And then he yells at everyone to fall in. And Steve just starts walking straight at the flagpole. And he's like, I said, fall in. And Steve's like, relax. Undoes this bolt at the bottom, pulls the pin out. The flagpole topples over. He grabs it, hands it off to the dude and says, thank you, sir. And then jumps in the truck. That dude's a gangster. I know. It's that so, is the most gangster shit. I feel like at the beginning of this movie, so much of his character is based on the fact that he has zero self-confidence or anything like that. But then he just ignores a direct order from his commanding hey, officer or whatever. He's he, got heart. Oh, oh, well, at least he's got heart. The, <laughs> the commanding officer, Drill Sergeant, never specifically said climb the flagpole no, he, he just said saying, get the hey, flag do this thing and steve said no wait i have to undo this flagpole real quick i have to make more work for you guys later hey you know you're gonna have to put this flag back on the flagpole and get it all the way up there screw you <laughs> um yes that is exactly what happens <laughs> But, I mean, that's just one of those scenes that is there to show off that even before the super soldier serum, Steve's a tactician. He thinks things out. He plans. Yeah. yeah. Which is important to Captain America's character. It is. 
So Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Colonel Phillips, I believe is his yes, name. Yes, Colonel Phillips. There we go. Yeah, I've I've been thinking K in my head. Right, but <laughs> um, he does not approve of Steve Rogers. He, he just doesn't see hates him almost. He doesn't understand the science behind what uh, Doctor Erskine is capable of doing. Yeah, and so he. Once this other big buff guy who the same one who got his face punched by Agent Carter. Yeah. Basically, uh, basically um, Summer's boyfriend from Napoleon Dynamite. I think his exact yeah. words to describe <laughs> him are he's big, strong, follows orders. He's a soldier. He's a soldier. Yes. And then Dr. Erskine's like, but he is not a good man. He, he I think he calls him a bully, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which Steve specifically mentioned earlier, he wants to fight bullies. Anyway, they're both trying to prove their point, and so uh, Colonel Phillips' way of proving this is to take a grenade and pull the pin and just toss it out in the middle of all of the soldiers. Yeah, throws a grenade! Yeah, all these soldiers are out. They're just like, you know, they're exercising or whatever. They're doing jumping jacks. Steve Rogers making an idiot of himself doing it. Yes, And then, yeah, he just pulls the pin out of a grenade and throws it to a group of men. he looks... At Dr. Erskine, or Erskine, or whatever the hell, and says, soldier needs more than a good heart. Needs guts. And then tosses it out, thinking that his recruit is going to jump on the grenade, and instead he hides behind a truck farther away than Everybody scatters. Else. Yeah. But yeah, especially that guy. He scatters farther. And then Steve jumps on top of it, and he does this like weird twitching He's like, thing, yeah, yelling at people to get away. I He's thought like, that weird. Go away! Go. I know he like he has his body like fetal positioned around the grenade. Yes, and then he will like uncurl his body and flail his arm real crazy and go get back, get back. And yeah, I thought it looked weird too. <laughs> it looks weird, but I mean, it really is a great moment in the movie that really, really shows who steve is yeah honestly it, it kind of came out of left field for me the first time that i watched it i mean it makes sense it makes sense in the plot in the context of the movie but it was just like oh shit yeah that that's cool that that would prove that yeah yeah and tommy lee jones has some he last says line. he's still skinny yeah <laughs> yeah that's it. he's still that's skinny it. and then marches off and that's some of the funniest shit i know I've yeah heard. it is he's actually pouting and yeah. it's so funny tommy lee jones he's uh he's got a good amount of that deadpan humor yeah for someone years. who does not seem like a person who has a good sense of humor. He's his comedic timing is amazing. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's because he speaks so quickly. Like he's got like kind of a rapid clip, like well, but but this thing and then this thing and then this thing. Yeah. And well, so, and I've heard he's just a complete grouch to work with. Yeah. A lot of the time, but <laughs> I think man. he's just he, well because he's been an old man since. I mean, minimum, he's been an old man since The Fugitive. I saw one of the first... Since he was born. That man's been an old man since he was born. Yeah, I saw one of the first things he was ever in, and he looks like an old man with black hair in that. He's just... Yeah, he's an old man. Yeah. Yeah, Um, it's funny that in the... uh, the, uh, What was it? Was it Men in Black 2 or Men in Black 3 or whatever, where Josh Brolin... Men in Black 3. Was it Men in Black 3? They just made Josh Brolin look like an old man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to look like younger Tommy Lee they Jones. They said, look grumpier. And he said, oh. And damn if his impersonation isn't oh, so man, on it is. God, it's, it's spot awesome. on, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that basically proves Erskine's point. And so he decides to share a drink with Steve, almost. Almost. And he explains how he defected. And uh, it gives the whole history behind the super soldier 
serum that he's been trying to Talks develop. about his failure. His failure with uh, Johan Schmidt, the who... Crimson Chin. ...is now in charge of Hydra, which is like the res- weapons research and development there, uh, branch of the Nazis. Basically, it's, it's like the Nazi magic division. Kind of. Uh, Steve <laughs> is Something a like member. That. He's a soldier enlisted with the SSR. The Scientific Strategic Reserve or something like that. Yeah, well, and it's, it's another acronym in these movies. Yeah, Hydra <laughs> is a is like the Nazi version of the SSR. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, he, he's about to drink some whiskey with Steve or scotch or something. Schnapps. Schnapps, yeah, it's schnapps. Schnapps, of course. Did you save me any of those schnapps? And, uh, but then he's like, oh, wait, you're having the... The procedure. procedure tomorrow. You can't have any fluids. And he says, "Steve's like, okay, we'll save it for another time." And Doctor Erskine's like, "I don't have a procedure." Yeah, yeah and, and just, just drinks, drinks it, it all down. Drink, drink it tomorrow. <laughs> drink it now. Um, so then uh, Steve flirts with Peggy on a car ride through Brooklyn, and he's just talking about like all these places he's been beat up. Yeah. <laughs> he points at an alley and like a parking lot, a <laughs> diner. And it, clearly, it he funny. does not know how to flirt. I mean, and it's it's like says, the whole point yeah. of the scene, though. Yeah, she's like, you haven't talked to a lot of women, have you? Or she said, it's, you don't know, how, you don't really know how to talk to women, do you? And he goes, this is the longest conversation I've ever had with one. They end up going into this. It's either like an old library or a bookstore or something. Yeah, Obviously, it's an antique I, shop. It's old Brooklyn's antiques. Yeah, hmm. it just it just looks like a it just looks like a bookstore to me. I. Like, because, yeah, I don't see. Do you see any other antiques in there? Because really, I just see books. Well, I only know because I caught a glimpse of the sign and it said Old Brooklyn's Antique. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember the sign. But, yeah, it just looks like a bookstore yeah. to me. Clearly, it's like a place that Steve is somewhat familiar with since they're in his hometown. Yeah, they're in like his they're in like his old stomping grounds or at least his old his old his, his, his old getting stomped grounds. grounds. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love it. Because it, it turns out it's like this this military base hidden inside, and Steve's just kind of blown away that this place has been here, and he's never, of course, he didn't know it was there at all. Yeah. Um. Oh man, and this lady that is guarding the front is awesome. It's yeah. this old lady, and what is it when when she comes in? When they come in, the lady asks a question. It's like about the weather. Weather we're having right now. And Agent Carter's like, "Yes, but I always carry an umbrella, and that's the password or yeah. whatever passphrase." And it shows the lady press a button to let them in to the to let the secret doors open up, and there's a gun right next to it's it. It's a Tommy gun, yeah. <laughs> and this lady's like eighty. <laughs> She's old. Yeah, and, and don't worry, guys. She does get a chance to use that Tommy gun later on. Chekhov's Tommy gun. And it, yeah, and it is a brief moment of pure badassery for this old antique shop owner. She is wasted. Yeah, yeah she she's, gets capped. I was very disappointed. I because I put in my notes. I really want to see this old lady gun someone down. <laughs> um, That's for the USA, bitches. <laughs> so inside, oh, uh, Phillips. Uh, Harvey Dent, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, Harvey Dent, and these uh, other higher ups are watch as Erskine and Howard Stark, who's also there. Uh, they turn Steve into a super soldier. Yeah, they like stick him with all these needles. They have a funny joke where they're talking about all these micro injections he's gonna get, 
and then they stick him with a needle and Steve goes, oh, that wasn't so bad, even though he was grimacing in pain the whole time. And then Dr. Erskine. That was the penicillin. That was just penicillin. Yeah. And he's like got a terrified look on his face now that he realizes how bad that shot was for Steve. Yeah. And it's kind of cool that Howard is there revealing that Howard is actually pretty involved in this military stuff. Yeah. I think that it's, it's cool later on and it adds like a, like a, we all saw it coming later on whenever Tony Stark realizes that his dad was involved with shield and, and all of this stuff from the beginning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool, it's America. Yeah. It's definitely a cool callback, I think. And, um, I think, you know, because we talked about the science of how it takes everything good about someone and like manifest that physically basically i was thinking it would be funny if it turned steve into a minority (laughs) (laughs) just because white people have a history of being terrible (laughs) and i don't know stefan rogers Rogers. (laughs) he he was played by chris evans on a smaller body but then he comes out of the vitae chamber being played by antonio banderas (laughs) see Stefan. I would prefer him to come out of Capitan America. <laughs> I want him to come out of the thing played by uh, what's his name? Capitan uh, Estados Unidos. Seth Rogen's my pick. He's still white. <laughs> He's Jewish though. He's Jewish. I don't think I identify people. I don't think I identify somebody's ethnicity based on physical characteristics. I just think white. How could you? That's what an ethnicity is. But Jew is not a race. We're getting off subject. We're not. Jewish is not a race. Uh, it is. Howard Stark is another one whose age is a little bit up in the air. Because this character looks 30s. At least, like 30. Yeah. And he's still alive, though, at the beginning of Civil War, which is in 1991. So that would make him, like... 70s mid 70s and he certainly least. does not look mid 70s in civil no. war he looks, yeah, like he looks like 60 yeah, yeah he looks like like a young like he's starting to kind of get middle-aged in this movie a little bit like maybe young 30s something like that yeah 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 he definitely this again the timeline as far as aging does not make any sense in this movie no. also those two actors look nothing alike no not really <laughs> But uh, the experiment's a success, and Steve is now a huge and sexy guy with zero stretch marks somehow. Um, <laughs> and also wearing the same pants that he went in there with. They're just tighter, <laughs> and, and they're like capris now. <laughs> they turned purple, and he turned green. <laughs> they're super stretchy. I'm still um, mad I got robbed of that moment in Incredible Hulk. Unfortunately, a Hydra agent has infiltrated the place, and he sets off an explosion grabs the super soldier serum and shoots Erskine twice. That ain't right. And then the old lady is totally wasted when that guy comes out and shoots her and she just Tommy guns up into the air and falls over dead. Yeah. This guy actually does a damn good job of escaping from this place. He really does. He's surrounded by soldiers. Uh, oh, and yeah. he has by, to go down that long hallway. Not just by soldiers, but like military police and like people who I guess are special forces in this regard. Like in this time, I assume they would be special forces. At least so. a lot of higher ups. Yeah, stuff yeah. There. Yeah. These Agent are Carter these are experienced military veterans. <laughs> Steve runs over to Dr. Erskine and Dr. Erskine doesn't say anything. He just taps Steve's heart twice 
which is the same thing he did the day before when he told him to stay a good man. Yes. And then Steve like looks up and gets the grumpy face. I thought for sure he would have like some dying words though. Yeah, he's he just has one dying poke. Schnapps. <laughs> <laughs> what were his last words? He he poked me. poked me. Steve's phone re- like buzzes and he pulls it out and it says Dr. Erskine poked you. <laughs> oh my God. Little notification. Get out. <laughs> he um, looks up all grumpy face and then he just like takes off. No shoes, nothing. Yeah. He's just running at him. Yeah. And uh, Peggy, yeah, she chases the Hydra agent, manages to kill his getaway driver. But then the guy jumps in the driver's seat and he turns around and he's trying to run her down and Steve saves her from getting run over. But man, she's a good shot though. Yeah. There are ways down the street and she's just got a handgun and she, she's an unrealistically good shot. She probably would have been more efficient with two handguns in both hands <laughs> with two handguns on top and then holding two more with her pinkies upside down below it. Oh no. That, picture that same thing, but all Tommy guns. <laughs> that reminds America, me of the something. First Avenger directed by John Woo. That reminds me of something just because we were kind of doing a callback there to when we were joking about Black Widow shooting two guns. Um, (laughs) You were actually more correct than I was about uh, the guy from, what's that stupid Gerard Butler movie? Gamer? Yes. Is it pancakes and syrup? It's waffles and syrup. I knew it. I thought it was cheeseburgers and chocolate. (laughs) That's a very specific thing for me to think it was. I don't know why, but... Ew. Yeah, you were... I just remember thinking, God, this guy's gross. And he is gross, but I watched the scene. (laughs) But he's he's not cheeseburgers into chocolate syrup gross. No, he's just like (laughs) grabbing a whole waffle slice in his hand and dipping it in syrup and he's not eating man, there's no dipping he's smearing that syrup all around and then oh, getting it all gross. over his face and his disgusting java chest for anyone who's confused about what we're talking about go back and listen to iron man 2 and also uh watch gamer if you're drunk or something with gerard but is that the one with gerard Butler yeah. and logan lerman yes okay do not watch gamer if you're high because the editing in that movie is so fucking a rat oh. <laughs> Sorry, we we have a uh, we have a pact on Don't this podcast. It, just cut it out. I'm not gonna cut it out. Oh, okay. We yeah we're we try not to drop the f bomb, <laughs> but Ren did. Ren <laughs> dropped it. Oh, man. It's the the editing is that erratic though. <laughs> that movie. Oh man. And it, also in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're about to find out. Jake's mic has been cutting in and out. Yeah, uh, we've uh, if we've the had dialogue to stop. might flow a little strange. Also, my microphone is having some issues. So, man, um, this has been our roughest episode since like our first episode. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. So, if I have any mic drops or anything, <laughs> then uh, well, sorry. Yeah, uh, Patreon subscribers, send us money to buy Jake a new mic. Yeah, yes. or at least a mic cord. <laughs> man, I have the best of both. Or at least a Happy Meal. Um. <laughs> anyway, that too. This guy tries to run Peggy down. Uh, Steve saves her, and then he pursues the guy. And somehow I think running through Brooklyn barefoot is a horrible idea. <laughs> maybe now. Maybe you don't have to worry so much about like stepping on a used needle in 1943. That's true. But now... Yeah, but there's still... like what There were three million people who lived there back then. That's still a whole bunch of people dropping a whole bunch of nasty crap, I'm sure. That's true. Um. And how many bullets does this guy's gun have? Because 
he shoots at Steve about 20 times in this movie and does not have to reload. He does finally run out of ammo eventually yeah, and then he takes yeah, a little kid a hostage. Like it's a little tiny pistol yeah. that he was keeping concealed and it looks like it has about 80 bullets in it. Yeah, I, I think I counted This is the first close spot to in the movie where I noticed not liking some of the CG. Like uh, when Steve's jumping from car to car. Oh man, like it looks that. it looks pretty bad. It looks I like... I mean, even, I don't know, did they build a set for 1940s Brooklyn? Because even that looks kind of green screened. Yeah, me. I'm sure a lot of it, I'm sure they have like blocks that they built and then a lot of it is green screened in. But yeah, it's, it's going, it looks almost like uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man where he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop. There are points where it really does look that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the wire work is also also kind of questionable. Yeah, in this movie. it gets a little weird sometimes. It like does. people wouldn't move that way if when they he's got like hit or smacks something. people with his shield and everything. Yeah, yeah. they go flying and, <laughs> and it does he not look convincing. Smacks them horizontally and they like go up before they yes. go back. Yeah, you can it's almost so weird. See the There's wire a lot of that. Get the back of their clothes in certain scenes. Um, There's a lot of stuff. So the Hydra guy takes a kid hostage for a minute, and then he tries to get away in the stupidest looking submarine. Oh my god! I was like, "What is this thing? Why even include?" It this? looks like a miniature version of the sub from uh, LXG. I was just about to say that, man. And also, there is another thing that looks weirdly similar to *Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen*. Is it the car? It is the car. Yep. Okay, the car for sure. The submarine. It yeah, looks like this looks mini- like Luke Skywalker's speeder. The submarine in LXG is like a sword. It's called the Sword of the Ocean. I don't know why I know that, but I do. <laughs> I haven't Ren, seen that Ren movie a, in years. It looks nothing like that submarine. Gentleman <laughs> fan, I see. <laughs> I just uh, love the character work, man. You don't know. <laughs> oh no, I I do know. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Hyde, Invisible Man. It was a whole thing. It really is, though. Like this is like Hydra in this movie is very much like Cobra from the gi joes every vehicle that they whip out is just like this we're selling another play set here (laughs) their uniforms for their foot soldiers they're dressed like gimps yeah (laughs) like are these masks necessary for these guys like gimps they really are i I fully expect for one to get his helmet popped off and him to also be wearing a ball gag underneath his helmet (laughs) fairly certain i was watching quentin tarantino's wet dream for a minute here (laughs) Uh, anyway, Steve finally catches the guy. He like breaks into the submarine and pulls him out, throws him out of the water, which is uh, pretty, which is it's, I like that. Yeah. That he it's just, cool. He just chucks him like it, it cuts. Yeah. He dock really does. And this guy just comes flying out of the water and lands on the dock. Uh, but the guy has like a cyanide tooth. Yeah. Like a yeah. fake tooth. And yeah, he, he bites like, into it and foams at the mouth and dies. And he's not supposed to reveal anything, but he tells Steve what organization he works for. Like yeah. he's not supposed to say anything, but Steve's like, "Who do you work for?" And he goes, "Spectre." He's no. He says, "He says Hail Hydra." As oh, he has, that's, that's right. right. As he has foam coming out of his mouth, which is gross. People who foam at the mouth in movies as they die, it I always know. grosses me out, man. I mean, this is pretty I, I, immediate. It's accurate, at least. I yeah. I mean, yeah. It's definitely accurate as to cyanide, yeah. but it's still nasty. It was gross to watch him pop his tooth out oh, of place. Man, I know and- that. That, crunch down on it. Yeah, because it's, it's one of like his uh, canine teeth, and so you just see it, him flick it out with his tongue. You and it's see like, the oh. socket. Like, yeah, the it's space like, oh, Jesus, was. man. I don't want to see his empty tooth hole. That's disgusting. I'm pretty sure if you actually swallowed cyanide, I don't think it would just make you foam at the mouth and die quietly. I'm pretty sure it would be burning your throat or something. Cyanide, no, I think cyanide, all it does is it makes your throat like 
it, it suffocates you. Like, it, I think it, like, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it does, but you die from suffocating. Yeah. That's I why you foam. That's I why guess. you foam. You really do foam at the mouth if you bite down on, like, a cyanide capsule or something. Christian's got just oodles of cyanide capsules at his house. He was just trying this in my living room before we started recording today. Dude, cyanide gets you the best high you'll ever feel. Yeah, Christian went full. He went full Beethoven dog all over my carpet. There's just foam and slobber everywhere. Yeah, it looks a, like a foam party. I had That's a disgusting. I had a Camel Crush cigarette and I accidentally bit into it too hard and it was just a cyanide tablet in there. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I was slipping it foam, in there foam. as an experiment. And then as Ren died, somebody looked at him and said, "Sorry." That was my lucky. And then Rin died. And then we started this podcast. That's... Welcome to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Based off that joke, yeah. So after the but, attack, uh, uh, the U.S. decides to redirect its focus a little bit more towards Hydra. Uh, but because they were only successful in getting one super soldier out of the experiment when they were hoping to get a whole army eventually, uh, they feel they don't really have much use for Steve. So they make him, they put him on like a tour in like a song and dance act with the goal yeah. of selling more war bonds across the U.S. Yeah, he has like a bunch of chorus girls with him and everything. And he's like reading a script off the back of this well, crappy shield. He's And he's dressed in like the traditional Captain America yeah. outfit yeah. from I the comic books. part of the reason they did this was to show like hardcore fans how stupid that suit would look translated to film. I love it because... The comics, that's pretty much what his character was doing. Yeah. Was like beating up Nazis and selling war bonds. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I read. It a, was uh, all propaganda. Yeah, way yeah. before he was reintroduced and brought in as a member of the Avengers. When I was yes. uh, when I was studying up on this movie, I, uh, I actually found an interesting tidbit that before America had even entered the war, one of the uh, one of the uh, covers of I guess it was the first run of Captain America before they canceled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the covers was him punching Adolf Hitler yeah. in the jaw. So that is the most famous picture <laughs> yeah. of Captain America. In fact, no, I think that was 1939. That was before Pearl Harbor and everything. He was definitely he was conceived from the beginning yeah. as like World War II propaganda. So yeah, it is pretty funny Absolutely that, that they have that whole kind of subplot throughout mm -hmm. this. Imagine if they had had Steve dress up as like a racist caricature of like a Japanese soldier <laughs> or something. <laughs> the, old, the yellow menace or something like oh, that. God. <laughs> And then Steve has to become the Yellow Avenger or something <laughs> later. <laughs> Takes he tries to take bits and pieces of that costume. Wearing a samurai suit <laughs> <laughs> with bits of like U.S. soldier gear too. He's one of the bamboo people. <laughs> oh my gosh! See our uh, early Spider-Man episode yeah. for uh, that reference. Maybe don't see that episode, episode. four. I think that is. <laughs> maybe don't see it. Maybe listen to it since yeah. this is a podcast. Well, I mean, you have to look at your phone screen to play it. <laughs> I guess. Um, so yeah, he's he's selling war bonds and doing this whole song and dance, and uh, yeah, his his costume is pretty pretty comics accurate. Yeah, I, love I mean it. it's real comics accurate. It just look would look dumb as hell in action. I really love when they when he decides to go into battle and he incorporates just parts of the yeah. stage outfit yeah, he, well, he with an actual soldier's uniform. Yeah, he like leaves his shirt on, but even and then, he steals one of the hats from yeah. the girls and then with the A on it, the helmet. I mean, a his, jacket on. his uh his like battle ready uniform in this movie is easily it's my favorite one he has throughout 
like any of his appearances so far. Are you talking about the one with the leather jacket or like his official Captain America, the soldier uniform? Yeah, the the soldier uniform one later on. That is is still one of my all-time favorites. This is absolutely my favorite. This is my favorite Captain America suit. Not the one that he's in in the War Bonds thing, of course, but later on. I really love the mix of the, the War Bonds stage show and the U.S. soldier uniform. Yeah. Just kind of loosely throwing them together. I think I it looks think, awesome. I think my favorite one though has still got to be the stealth suit from Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, that the, the it old looks amazing. Dark blue one. I love that. It's kind of hard to to mess up Captain America's suit. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, Wait, but they it's do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, that's <laughs> next episode. We'll get there. Yeah, spoiler. Oh God. God damn um, you. Actually, I mean, I guess that gives people a chance to brace themselves for it. I think this is where uh, Red Skull's plans are shown to be more ambitious than the Nazis suspected. Like some Nazi generals come in and they want to see what he's been working on. And uh, it turns out that Hydra Hydra in the movie is described at one point as being more more cult like than it is uh, like a military regime. And so the members of Hydra start hailing allegiance to Johann Schmidt yeah. pretty early on. Yeah, and they whenever they do that, by the way, they say, Hail Hydra, and they do this stupid two-armed Nazi salute. Oh, my gosh. It is the dumbest-looking thing I've ever seen. It may like, have worked its way into the Captain America drinking game, that's for sure. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they extend both of their arms out like they're Superman flying through the air, and it looks really stupid. It does. over their chest, sort of like uh, what they did in, if, for anyone who's seen Black Panther already sort of like the greeting in Black Panther. They do an X over their chest and then throw their arms up into a Nazi salute, and a double Nazi salute. It, yeah, it looks stupid. It's horrible to look at. I pledge allegiance to the Johan of the United City of Hydra. What if they did the thing from Dodgeball where they go, where they go, Cut off one head, another grows back. Question mark. Um, anyway, Question mark. the Nazi generals show up and they are like basically trying to shut things down. But this is the main bad guy of the movie. So Johan turns on this giant cannon and just blasts these guys. Out. This is our first... Uh, little quick appearance by the blue beam he just blasts these guys yeah, into yeah. nothingness so I, I guess throughout this movie uh johan and igor which is what i've affectionately termed him in my head because i can't remember his Arnim name zola yeah the igor uh they've been working <laughs> on uh they've been working on using the tesseract and harnessing that to build weapons so that they can take over the world um and so this is like the first appearance of what the real power, I guess, of the Tesseract is. Because whenever he shoots these Nazi generals with the blue beams, they don't explode. They don't fly back or whatever. They just disappear. They're, just They're vaporized. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because... Uh, um, I think it takes all of the, the water out of their bodies and leaves just a pile of sand. <laughs> Throwback to our Batman man, hope, episodes man, one and two. I hope, they, I hope they collected all of that into... Uh, <laughs> People vials. People I don't vials see any women around, vials. so I don't know who would sweep it up. Yeah. Where's Kitka? Where's she at? <laughs> That's true. There's no there's no bat anything in That's this That's a lab. joke about the sexism in Batman. That is not me being Where sexist. Where are all the labels? Nothing um, is labeled. But yeah, Dr. Zola <laughs> kind of reluctantly swears total allegiance to Hydra after he 
sees just how crazy yeah. uh, Johan yeah. Schmidt After is. It's, because, yeah, he's like a typical sniveling henchman. And so it's clear he's not going to get out of this any other way than than hailing allegiance to Hydra which and, is, to, and to Johann Schmidt, which is true to his character, I guess. Yeah, that's what his character does the whole movie. Yeah. Like, there's the right thing to do, and you see the hesitation in his eyes because he knows what he should do, but he doesn't do that because but he's saving his own skin. Then, in, I mean, we'll talk about it more, but in Winter Soldier, he's shown to be like one of the head honchos of Hydra. And yeah, it's suddenly, yeah. I, that's what I was thinking. I haven't seen Winter Soldier in a minute, but yeah, he's kind of more purely evil in that. Yeah. Granted, he's on a computer screen. Spoilers. True. So he's but. more cold and calculating. He, he's become part of the Matrix. Yes. <laughs> After being with Yo Agent Schmidt. Agent Schmidt. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's as you're pleasing? <laughs> that's not I his line. I think I got a little I think I got a little too uh, overzealous with the Z's there. We did the exact same thing. It's it's the this smell. <laughs> <laughs> you stink. <laughs> um so Eventually, Captain America tours in Italy and performs for the U.S. troops, who are, are much less amused by the yeah, act. Yeah, they are completely unimpressed by him. They, yes. they, they want the chorus girls and want nothing to do with Captain America. It's like an amplified version of the theater scene all over again. Just a bunch of jack dudes yelling at Steve. It's what does he funny. say? He says, like, man, what is it? They only know one song. I can see what No, I'm no, he see. says something... Come on, guys, whatever. And then the guy's like, I already signed up. No, oh, he says, I need a volunteer. And the guy says, I already volunteered. Yeah. How do you think I got here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 almost a little uncomfortable. Like that's how that's how a figurehead like that would have really turned out. Like war is hell. Which, and they sent this like happy go lucky guy to buck these soldiers up. If I were one of these soldiers, I would absolutely be doing the same thing. Oh, Bring yeah. out yeah, those absolutely. girls again. Bring out the dancing girls. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I've think... done nothing but shower with muddy men for six months. Especially because we're like, like right after this, it's revealed that this is what's left of the 107th division where Bucky was sent. That's yeah. right. This is everyone that's left. They just got done with the big battle. They sent this jackass in a costume to talk to them, <laughs> to yeah. dance for them yeah. Which... and fake punch Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. He punches Hitler. Like someone dressed as Hitler so many times in this thing. I think he says at one point it over was 200, it was over 200 times. Over yeah. 200 yeah. times. <laughs> Jesus. Do you, okay. So initially Steve is kind of hesitant about doing this whole song and dancing. Yeah. But eventually he starts to really gain a lot of recognition. He's like lifting up motorcycles to show his strength with like three ladies sitting on it and stuff. Uh, do you think Steve's getting laid on tour? Because there are a no, lot. There, there are a couple of quick to. scenes of like women smiling at him, like during the montage of him doing the song and dancing. Uh, I think girls are into him and he's just like, oh, well, uh, ma'am, no, I'm just I'm waiting for the right dance part. Yeah, I think that's ex I think Steve. Call Peggy. <laughs> Call Peggy. He is he's way too innocent in this movie. Like maybe there are people who would like to sleep with Steve, but there's no way he's gonna well, sleep with anybody except kind of a, for his dream woman on their wedding day. There's Peggy no way. Carter. Before Peggy he Carter, goes to yeah. play for the US soldiers, before he goes to perform for them, there's kind of the turning point of him enjoying this thing. And 
some of that comes from the attention he's getting from women. So yeah, I think he I was kind of thinking like oh, not so he? much. I, I think he likes the idea that they want to get with him. He just doesn't want to, you know, have sex with any of them. But that means like Steve is still a virgin in these movies. I fully believe that. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with that fan theory. That makes total sense. No, not. I think that because he kissed Peggy's niece, like super much younger niece. Yeah. uh, After like three of these movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I really hope that he is getting some action while he's on tour because Lord knows he didn't get any before. Well, that's very true. And then he's frozen for 70 years. Spoiler alert. uh, What's her face? Black widow hook up sometimes just to relieve tension. Who knows? Maybe he is still a virgin. Maybe he and Bucky. What? You know, it it leads credence to that fan theory. Tumblr is going to get real excited. I know. Right. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying there's, there's reason for people thinking that in the first place you ever been in a hydra prison camp (laughs) (laughs) war's hell boys war's hell so eventually a half-grown man naked (laughs) peggy comes to visit him to give him like an inspirational talking to after he's kind of down in the dumps about uh the realities of war and his how silly he looks doing his thing uh and he learns that his pal Bucky is either dead or he is being held captive behind enemy lines and nobody's really going to do anything about it because it's just not worth it. They're going to lose more people than yeah. they would save. Presumably so he storms off. To... It's and it's uh, commander Phillips is there. He's the yeah. one that's telling him well, all of this. No, Cause he storm. He, 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 at first he's not sure if Bucky's alive or dead and he storms off to uh, commander Phillips or Colonel Phillips or whatever the hell he is. And Colonel Phillips is like, yeah, I remember his name from yeah. the rest in peace letters or whatever they're called. Implying condolence that, letters, yeah. Yeah, condolence letters, implying Bucky's dead. And Steve's like, well, okay, Bucky's dead. I'll go back and get everybody else, though. That's Steve is such a good person. Even though his best friend's dead, he's willing to go save everybody else. Yeah, he's a little bit of a Mary Sue, I think, but it works for his character. Yeah, Captain Mary Sue. Captain and Mary Sue. <laughs> and this is the part where he combines just the right parts of uh, the stage costumes yeah. and an actual soldier's uniform to make a badass World War II era cap yeah, he outfit. Looks, he yeah. looks like a paratrooper, and it does look he pretty badass. awesome. And he heads out to save the POWs. Uh, Peggy and Howard give him a lift in a plane, uh, Howard Stark, and he parachutes down amongst artillery shells. And then sneaking into a hydro truck, he makes it to their camp and he sees some of the equipment that they're making with the Tesseract and he pockets one. Uh, I think it's just to show evidence of what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, like later. he can bring it back to them later so they can know like what they've been working on, I, I guess. Yeah, I didn't know what it was at first. I was like, is that a bomb he's going to end up throwing at somebody? No, or is well, that just like... I think it's a cool it's a cool thing that they showed him do that because that kind of like weapons espionage was such a big thing in World War II because weapons were advancing so, so, yeah. so quickly. And I think that's the thing that uh, Howard is trying to pull the piece of the Tesseract or whatever, the power yeah, out of it. Yeah. And it blows up explosively. Yeah. Um, anyway, Steve finds the uh, prisoners that are there. And as he unlocks the cages, they ask who he is. And he calls himself Captain America for the first time in like a meaningful way. Yeah. That was his stage character's name. But now he's like, yeah, 
uh, legit calling himself that. There are a few guys there that kind of it's kind of like a tongue in cheek thing though yeah. too. Yeah, because it's like, who the hell are you supposed to be? And he's like, uh, smile. Well, I Captain only have America. I only have one title, so I guess I'm going with that. There are. Thank a, God it was a cool title like Captain America. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm well, private he had, freedom. He had the line earlier where he was on the plane. I'm the, the yellow Avenger. <laughs> the oh, man. I'm so glad that you went with a regular voice for that. <laughs> you yeah, could have made that too. joke. You could have made that joke a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you just sang the beginning of a catchy song and my brain just wants to finish it. <laughs> but I know I shouldn't. Nope. Uh, well, because he's got the line earlier when he's on the plane with uh, our Peggy. Japanese viewership just goes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know you were. I know you were in the middle of a thought, but he's it was got a- the line where he's on the plane with Peggy, and he tells her like what the plan is, and she says, "I outrank you. You can't give me orders." And he says, "The hell I can't. I'm a captain." <laughs> and jumps out and I just thought that line was funny and so yeah this is him like becoming Captain America also yes. that is not how military promotion works well but, no <laughs> let me just say like with I, the well, you mean the wisecrack he made to the girl of his dreams isn't how actual I'm military just saying I I'm know. just saying <laughs> it was just a joke he, he, he doesn't know how to flirt give him a break let me just say uh, I know this is superhero fatigue but like with the aging upward of Bucky for the movie and like introducing this whole selling war bonds uh, stage performance that Captain America does, I really love this origin story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, man, don't get me wrong. Uh, we we have a great time uh, destroying the movies that are on our podcast, mm-hmm. but I like Captain America. And I, a, yeah, I like a lot of people hated of the Bucky change when it first came out. And I don't. I don't even understand why. Because I mean, they aged Bucky up to where they were the same age in the comic books. Eventually, well, and they're making him like a U.S. soldier, so it yeah, it he can't be makes a, it the so much more year old kid. Yeah, that yeah, is in the comics. yeah. Especially once Bucky goes off and leaves Steve behind, like that's such a. I think that's a better motivator. Also, isn't Bucky like originally? Wasn't he just a normal kid? Yeah, he was a fourteen-year-old yeah. kid, and he was like a. Uh, he the was hell does a super soldier need a normal kid sidekick for anyway? <laughs> Come on, that's yeah. private freedom. It's so dumb. Uh, but yeah, every little stage of it, like him kind of putting pieces of a uniform together and like accepting his role as Captain America and everything mm-hmm. is great. Yeah, absolutely. It, this is one of I I love Iron Man and everything, but. Uh, Chris Evans as Captain America is my favorite part of the MCU, hands down. And this movie is so good. And this origin story specifically is just so good. It's a very tolerable origin story for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I love this. There's a great moment when he's freeing these uh, people, and it's the guys who will eventually become sort of the howling commandos. Yeah, you see some of them whose names I don't know from the comic books, yeah. and then you see Dum Dum Dugan. But they're kind of like men from different backgrounds, uh, like racial backgrounds mm-hmm. or what have you. <laughs> and uh, one of them is like a Japanese guy, and Dugan, Dum Dum Dugan, looks over at him, and he's he's like, what are we are we taking everybody? And the guy looks at him and goes, I'm from Fresno, Ace. 
<laughs> like he just assumes he's this Japanese prisoner or something. Yeah, but it's I, so funny. I I get why they wouldn't do it, but man, what a surprising lack of casual racism for a movie set in the 1940s. Yeah, because set I in mean, the 1940s during World War II, quite quite possibly the most like casually racist period mm-hmm. in the United States. And this history, is like their example. Except for slavery, I guess. This is their family friendly <laughs> version of yeah. like the racial tensions family friendly racism <laughs> this is that's disney, the Walt disney way baby disney definitely took over at this yeah. point there's i mean the howling commandos like captain america is the leader of this elite death squad that includes a french a black frenchman or at least a black man who speaks french i'm not exactly no he's positive. he 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 says later on that he started taking german and then later took french oh, because okay. there were more girls in the well, class it's, it's so still, he's an american guy. that's a, still, and that's a line that was changed for the german version huh because they didn't want to offend german girls i guess so well, i can't I, remember what he says he says something like he started at harvard and then he switched over to some other place. I started at Harvard, but then I switched to French. <laughs> <laughs> started at Harvard, but it was just too easy. But yeah, I mean, you've got this 1940s World War II death squad with a leader named Captain America wearing red, white, and blue. And two of its members are a, an eight. We're not ever really explicitly told. But, but it's, it's assumed Asian, he's Japanese. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of implied. Yeah, I guess that's true. You got a Japanese guy and a black man on the team. This isn't realistic. I get. I mean, no, no, it's not. That's, I'm just saying the movie as a whole, surprising lack of casual yeah. racism for a time when racism was like in the propaganda cartoon. Unlike, it's just unlike un- our podcast, surprising lack of casual racism. <laughs> there's only there's not there's no casual. There are allusions to casual racism. The Yellow Avenger. I didn't make that joke. Hey, at least he resisted. He resisted doing the voice, I guess. The Bamboo People. That wasn't racist. They All were right, let's move sticks. on. Good lord. Okay, so uh, Cap decides he's gonna like check out the rest of the facility, I guess, and he finds Bucky strapped to a table. Bucky, who he thought was dead at this point, and uh, I I'd never really thought about it before, but this is supposed to be the beginnings of Bucky becoming the Winter Soldier. Because, yeah, you you pointed that out to me yesterday. Yeah, yeah, Zola has been experimenting on Bucky. Which is why Bucky later, uh, spoiler, is able to survive the fall off the train and not die like any normal person would. He's already being turned into something else. Well, his arm doesn't survive, that's for sure. Well, no. Uh, no, it does not. Um, and so as the other prisoners start wrecking the base uh, together and turning Hydra's weapons against them, uh, Cappy, er, Cappy. Cappy. Cappy and Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the newest episode of Cappy and Buck. Cappy and Buck. Buck, Buck, Buck. <laughs> Cappy and the Buck. It was supposed to be a 50s radio serial, and yours turned into Weedy and the Butt from Cappy Family and Guy. the Buck. <laughs> Cappy and the Buck in the morning. Buck, Buck, Buck. uh, oh my god though picture i felt kind of bad for bucky because the last time he saw steve steve was short and scrawny yeah i'm pretty short i'm pretty fat imagine if i walked in tomorrow with the body of steve rogers man i'd be all over you I have that effect on people. Uh, they're making gross faces at each other right now. Mm. Rin, uh, mm. Don't lick your lips. 
Ew, and then don't wipe your face off because you got drool on you. <laughs> Ew. So, I regret bringing this conversation they're, up. They're escaping together, and Red Skull is watching all of this from his monitor, and he recognizes that Captain America... I guess it's it, this is kind of shoddy for me, where he's watching this black and white crappy little monitor, and he's like, oh, that guy's a super soldier. I just know. And he calls um, him he calls him Captain America. So I guess Red Skull had to have seen the propaganda. Yeah, and because, Red well, Skull he is. He mentions at one point, "Hello, Captain America. Nice to meet you. I'm a big fan of your films." Red Skull is Johann Schmidt. I know we've been calling him Johann Schmidt yeah. mostly. So, uh, anyway, he sees this happen happening. He recognizes Cap as a super soldier. It's because his skull started tingling. <laughs> his super soldier senses went off. The hair yeah. on his arm stood up. He was getting that ASMR tingle up in the top of his head. (laughs) I hate that feeling. I love it. It helps me sleep. Me too. Yeah. Gross. You're high. (laughs) So uh, he activates the self-destruct sequence inside his huge factory with all these weapons and stuff, which how many resources could Hydra alone have at this point? Yeah, Especially seems... considering they're turning against the Third Reich. Yeah, it sure seems like they are like have their own country that is like giving them resources. Because yeah, they're like if the Nazis are trying to cut them, you would think that they would be have been underfunded from the beginning. But yeah, they've got this giant factory full of all of these like beautiful, wonderful technologies that they just blow up and he's mm-hmm. he's not even concerned. It's when such he, a waste. Yeah, when he starts the self destruct sequence, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm in all outmatched. And apparently, and yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> in deleted scenes, it shows them killing more Nazis. Like, they're just out to kill everybody. And so. Yeah, because they have. They're doing way too well for yeah. realistic <laughs> yeah. circumstances. Well, the map that they have that shows all their targets includes Berlin, because when those Nazi generals were there. Yeah, yeah. The, Berlin's on there. Berlin's on this! And then. They got vaporized. Uh, so as Cap and Bucky search for a good exit, Cap finally comes face to face with Johann Schmidt, and he just punches him square in the jaw first thing, and then uh, Johann dents Cap's shield with his fist, yeah. showing that he's. I think you've got a little something in you already, <laughs> to quote uh, the Incredible Hulk movie. Uh, th- yeah, when Cap punches him too. I noticed, like, his face shifted. Yeah, because he's got the red yeah, you see the visible red below his eye. Because that's when it's revealed he's it's wearing nice. a mask. And... It's, yeah, it's it's basically a f- facial prosthetic going yeah. on. Yeah, there's a big fire going down on the factory floor. They're, like, they're up on the catwalks of this factory. There's a big fire going on down below. And so he just pulls off this second skin mission impossible mask thing that's just very realistic for the 1940s throws hugo weaving's face into yeah. fire yeah and he throws this entire beautifully sculpted face down into the fire i guess and he reveals his true face underneath which is a blue skull i thought it was purple <laughs> the <laughs> yellow skull oh, damn it. you sons of bitches <laughs> It's just rainbow colored. It's like one of those rainbow wigs. <laughs> I am very evil, but I also support LGBT rights. <laughs> what color am I feeling today? I am very open-minded. <laughs> LGBT rights. Likes. <laughs> oh my god! So, I'm sweating. Um, they, I'm sweating. 
they fight for a second before uh, Zola, who's behind Red Skull, pulls a lever and it starts it's because they're on this catwalk bridge it starts pulling it apart in the middle dividing it to separate cap and yeah. uh, red skull and red skull and zola end up running off red skull takes this flying machine another dumb looking machine it looks like if you've i know not everyone was born in the 1910s like i was but if you've ever played <laughs> jacks it looks like a jack oh my God, it just starts spinning off into the air and it's the stupidest Marbles back in the day. Hey, well, you I played know. marbles, and I'm the youngest one here. Relax. You played marbles? Yeah, I played marbles. Did they Basically, still sell marbles? Yeah. Basically, it looks like a butter. hula hoop, and Red Skull has a stick, and he just smacks <laughs> it down the road. <laughs> but then a bunch of kids playing stickball have to run out of the way of the hula hoop. <laughs> I he and when Zola both step into uh, potato sacks and hop away. <laughs> and also, I, I wanted to bring this up. It sounds like you're calling him Zoloft, like the antidepressant. <laughs> and so that's what I've started calling him in my head rather Zoloft. than Igor. Well, I know anytime I see Toby Jones' face, I get a little happier. I think every time anybody sees his face, he gets a little more depressed. But he uh, yeah. he gives his car keys to Zola for him to escape and tells him not to like get a scratch on it. <laughs> And this car is like, I think online it said it was like 10 feet wide by 28 feet long. It's it's It straight up is the car from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It really Gentlemen. is. It, it looks, looks exactly like, like it. Joe, Just, the, the oh director. Yeah, no, it's, it's a big phallic symbol yeah, car, 100%. It's, it's a dick car. And the director online said that... Um, the turn radius for it was like 36 feet. Oh I'm sure God. it was. He said he hated driving it around or something like that. Like it, I think he enjoyed driving it around, but he would hate driving it. Imagine as a if car. he was like, imagine if he was on set, but his car broke down and he had to go like pick up his daughter from school or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just driving this stupid Just looking pulls car. up. Tipping on balls. It's got hydraulics. <laughs> Get in, baby. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, they escape, and then Steve and Bucky have to find their way out. And Bucky jumps across uh, before the, I don't know, before the thing totally separates. Steve jumps, and the fire kind of engulfs him, and it looks like he dies. Of course. Uh, but then he shows up at the U.S. camp the next day with... He followed by all the prisoner soldiers. Mm -hmm. that yeah, he so he liberated saved. everybody from that camp. And it's yeah. like 400 people or something yeah. like that. And um, they talk about how they haven't picked anything up through aerial imaging or anything like that. How? How exactly. did they notice I was thinking the same 400 thing. people? Especially, or that huge factory yeah. and the jack that uh, <laughs> the, whirly, the Red the, Skull. The like, whirly gig rocket yes. thing. Yeah. Come the on! Pinwheel. You yeah, didn't the pinwheel. pick anything up. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you would think that in wartime, the military would be more apt to notice four hundred men marching toward your camp. This yeah. could be early Hydra infiltration. Lying about it. I'm just saying the movies have explanations for this stuff. That is the that predates Zola's uh, mentioning of when they started infiltrating, though. Well, they already had a Hydra guy show up when Cap was getting That's the true. serum put in his body. That's true, but because, I thought that was more of a Because uh, Commander spy. Phillips says something like, 
I want to know how some guy came or whatever, and he came in your car. He yeah. says that to another guy. I want to know how a Hydra agent got a ride here in your car. Yeah, but yes. but I'm just saying, 400 people are not going to be picked up by aerial surveillance. Give me a break. Yeah. Give I mean, me a break. Yes. Uh, not counting Hydra infiltration. It's a dumb yeah. explanation. <laughs> so, yeah, they show up uh, to the surprise of Harvey Dent and Peggy, and Peggy... Uh, what is the best way to say this since we don't use the F word? Uh, Kevy, Peggy gives Cap fondue, 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 fondue eyes, fondue eyes, fondue me. I'm yes, solid. <laughs> fondue is actually used in this movie as a term for that. Well, do you? Captain America fondue? uses it as a term. Yeah, for that's that. a that's a that's a pretty Captain America thing. Yeah, um, it is. Do you guys, uh, you know, you know? Well, that's what he thought Howard Stark was talking about on the plane. Because like when they're flying to drop him off to go rescue everyone, uh, Howard says to Peggy, "Do you want to stop for a late night fondue?" And uh, <laughs> Captain America like, sex? "Yeah." Because <laughs> later in the movie, really. Ew. Later in the movie, <laughs> Captain America, he makes out with Natalie Dormer, and uh, which Whoa, I mean, spoiler. Which Relax. also, that's kind of a weird appearance. But we'll talk about it. But Natalie Dormer's kind of a weird, just throwaway yeah, she just appearance in this. Yeah. But oh like, man. We'll we'll get there. But like uh, so, Haley Altwell, uh, Peggy Carter's like yelling at him, and he's like, "Well, you and you and." Howard Fondue. We are lingering on this too much. I, it, they get the idea. Fondue means sex. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Cap is set to receive a medal for valor, but he's too busy being Captain America. But and then who shows up during the ceremony? Oh, but our old favorite, Stanley. Stan and the guy sitting right next to him is Reb Brown, I think is his name. The guy who played Captain America in the... Uh, Made for TV movie. Oh no! Ki- oh. I didn't catch that. No kidding. Yep. Ooh, that's a uh, no. Maybe who's the dude who wrote Catcher in the Rye? It's not Salinger. J D. Uh, Salinger. J, J, one of J D. Salinger's son played Captain America in the nineties oh, movies. Oh, I man, I thought you were saying that it was J D. Salinger no. sitting next to Stanley. No, J D. No. Salinger's son played Captain America in the nineties movies. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So Cap puts together a team made up primarily of men he rescued from the Hydra camp. The Howlin' Commandos. Dum Dum Dugan. Including Bucky. Bucky. Yeah. And they're all drinking in a bar and Peggy walks in in a red dress. And apparently this red dress was one that was made for uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, no kidding. For, uh, what's her name? Diane Kruger's character, I think. Huh. And uh, it didn't end up getting used. at all? Because Diane Kruger and Haley Altwell really aren't the same shape of woman. I I'm I don't know. <laughs> I assumed you might know because there I didn't were know some that. slight alterations you assume, made. You assume Rin has like a personal relationship with the seamstress. <laughs> I don't know how he knew that. I just assumed. Um, <laughs> but man, she walks in in a red dress in a sea of just earth tones. So and, she stands yeah. out. Yeah, definitely. She's as the if woman Haley, in the red dress for sure. The, all of these earth tones haven't seen a woman in months. Too. Oh man. That's and true. their first introduction is Haley Outwell, who's gorgeous in this dress. Yes. Or period. She is. Well, yeah. Um and then she and Cap flirt a little and Bucky is there and he's kind of trying to like flirt with her. Yeah. He's like making the assumption that she's going to flirt with him, not realizing that 
at first that he and Cap have basically switched places now yeah. as yeah, far he's, as... Man, can you imagine being that guy and being the ugly friend now? Oh, man. man. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be the ugly friend at all. He did. <laughs> he cried into his pillow he at did. night. <laughs> uh, so the next day, Steve goes to get his new shield and uniform from Stark, and Peggy has like a jealous girlfriend moment. Yeah. And it is like... This is when we get the cameo, I guess, from Natalie Dormer. Speaking it's, in an American I don't think I would accent. call it a cameo, really. She's just it's, playing She just shows role. up. Yeah, she yeah. shows up. But and it's weird for was Natalie. Was this before she was on Game of Thrones? No. No, Game of Thrones had already started at this point. I know, but she wasn't in the first two seasons. But oh. anyone who has ever seen that. Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I don't know. Anyone who's oh. ever seen Natalie Dormer, though, this woman just has like the most seductive look at yeah. all times yeah absolutely. so i was thinking as soon as she walked onto the screen because she doesn't have any lines or anything at first and she's just there and i was thinking uh oh she's gonna end up like seducing cap or something's gonna happen with her as far as like some sexually charged exchange is gonna happen and sure yes. enough they uh, make she, out. yeah she's congratulating him on saving a bunch of people and he's Trying to be like all shy about it or whatever. No, well, you're not. You're not Peggy. And <laughs> I think, Peg. and yet he still lets her kiss him. Oh. I do think that this does probably prove that Cap is still a virgin because he's very nervous around her, mm-hmm. and then he just kind of gives in for a minute. And I mean, boy, he's probably been holding it in for a while. So <laughs> Captain America is going to die in Infinity War, having never had sex and working with the <laughs> most gorgeous women who have ever existed. Oh man, I really hope that we get a scene of him walking out of Agent Carter's apartment or I hope something. So. Come on, let please. him have something. Do you think he hooked up with old? Peggy Carter. Come on, dude. <laughs> Gross. She's like 90. Just this once. He I've still loves it. That's his pet. <laughs> That's Peggy. I've had man. dreams about your body. <laughs> She's in the middle of a death rattle. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, Peggy gets really jealous. And it is a jealous girlfriend moment, but it it works a little bit. I think it's I think it works because it's not played off as like she's acting this way because she's a woman. It's like yeah. she's acting this way because there was clear there were clear implications between the two of them and then he kissed another girl. Yeah. Like yes. that makes sense to me. You know, yeah. it's not like it's not like that like oh, well this woman wants this guy but then she sees he's with somebody else and she gets mad. She does straight up shoot a gun at him not knowing <laughs> she, that his shield she, is going to work. Yes. Well, here's what I didn't get about this. Howard is showing him all the examples of shields that he can pick from and he says, "What about this one?" And he's like, "Oh, that was just like our test or something." No, he calls it a prototype. It's not finished yet. So he doesn't want to give it out yet. Plus, it's all the vibranium they have. I swear he says something like, not just a prototype, but it was just like one that they kind of no, had. No, he says, oh, no, that's not ready. That's just a prototype. Okay. I was thinking whatever he said was like, oh, that's just plain or whatever no, compared then, to these. And then he says it was made of vibranium. And I was like, what the hell is your like test one made of vibranium yeah, it's not ready he, <laughs> ma- he specifically mentions it's a prototype yeah because that's all the vibranium they have okay they and then yeah that's when peggy this. 
out of anger kind of shoots, up, shoots it out of him. anger shoots man what an unhealthy relationship you're going to enter at that point if out of anger <laughs> she shoots a gun at you but not he has this shield, shield. she work. knows she's not going to kill him or anything i don't know that she knows that so uh cue a montage of cap and his crew kicking ass all over europe kicking ass with bad cgi again mm. it's, is this green screen or cgi oh maybe it's maybe it's both I mean, it's, I guess there are computer generated. Yeah, there's computer gem, generated imagery. What, the special with effects CG aren't that great or with here green screen. The, this montage. He's talking at the, the same time. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to play chicken to see who would talk first. Yeah, if I'm I'm looking at the audio track while it's recording right now, and Christian and Ren have the exact same times where they're both speaking <laughs> for like the last thirty seconds. <laughs> so, Might be. Uh, anyway, they're kicking ass all over Europe, uh, set in front of bad green screen with bad CGI. <laughs> and at one point, Peggy's in a theater watching a reel on Cap's progress or something. And, uh, it's like one of those military propaganda things that they show at the beginning of movies, like earlier. And, uh, what's his name? Tommy Lee Jones is sitting right next to her. And on the screen, Cap is like marking a map as he and his, like, as he, plans out the strategy for his troops and it shows his compass and her picture is inside the compass. And yeah. Tommy Lee Jones just turns and smiles at her. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> hilarious thing. Just because he's supposed to be like this commanding officer and he's just like, Oh look, there's your boyfriend. <laughs> oh look, Peggy, you're going to go cry to your boyfriend. <laughs> it really is. Uh, uh, so next, Cap and his crew are in the mountains intercepting a train that Zola, Doctor Zola, is on, and they like they zip line onto the train, and the green screen effects for this are pretty bad. Oh yes, zip lining onto it, it looks, it just it looks stupid. I feel like yeah. uh, people who who do computer graphics, they'll try to kind of. Uh, do a lot of wide shots with computer graphics so that you don't see, you know, the textures and the close-up because t CGI typically looks worse close-up. But a lot of the far-out uh, CGI scenes in this movie are the ones that don't look good. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's because the people in them, they move kind of unnaturally. And I, don't I know feel like could... Cap was just, or Chris Evans was just hanging down. And they do it to where he's like swinging around on this yeah. zip line when it doesn't. Yeah, his body's clearly not moving that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it turns out it's a it's a trap set for Captain America uh, because Red Skull has basically threatened Zola, telling him like if he doesn't do something about Captain America now, then he's gonna kill him. And uh, so Zola is desperate to figure this out. So uh, they basically relay false information that Captain America and his troops pick up. And so that's why they're ziplining onto this train. And it's a trap set for him with two Hydra agents waiting to kill him. You know, they, you, they you, are, know, you, know you set a trap for a super soldier with two regular people waiting and, at it. And not just that, but Zola is actually on the train too. <laughs> with two regular soldiers and a fat scientist. It's like, hey. dude, don't be on the, this is the emperor telling, uh, the rebels in star Wars where the actual shield thing is yeah. instead of just lying and saying it somewhere else and springing a trap for them there. It's so dumb. 
Well, I mean, okay, this is the scene where we get the uh, mini-boss. Yes, this it, is the mini-boss. <laughs> uh, Captain America and Bucky are running through the train, and Captain America runs past a door, and it slides shut, separating him and Bucky. And Bucky has to take out the two or three regular soldiers that come one. after him. Oh, is it just one? One. Oh. Because there are two soldiers oh, on this train. Right. It's that okay. guy yeah. and then the one that then, is the mini boss. Yeah, we get what looks like like a mini boss fight from like Wolfenstein New Order or something like that. Where it's just <laughs> this bigger, it's a Hydra agent. He's just Leveled taller, up. a little bit wider in the shoulders. And he's got two blue guns instead of one. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And he's, it's like he's the, got plenty of cover. There's some power ups laying around, so he he's, can get help. He is back. straight up the hard mode enemy. <laughs> yeah, this, absolutely. In this scene. <laughs> and at one point, Cap yells, "Reloading! <laughs> uh, cover me! Cover me. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to our Ghost Rider episode. Ooh, yeah. Uh, anyway, they. They succeed in killing Bucky. They do not kill Captain America. Uh, Bucky, like the side of the train blows off. Bucky is hanging on for dear life. And then he falls and he falls into like this deep gorge and is dead. Never to be seen ever again in these movies. Never ever. Again. Especially not never, in the next ever. Captain America movie. No, nope. Never. Well, his name certainly isn't the subtitle of the next Captain America <laughs> movie. Captain America, Bucky. <laughs> Captain America, Bucky Barnes didn't die. Captain America, the Buck. <laughs> My name is Buck. Cappy and the Buck. Cappy <laughs> and the Buck. Buck. Um, so. Buck. Commander Phillips questions Zola over a steak dinner, and Zola gives up all of the info on Red Skull's plans. Uh, basically, Red Skull thinks of himself as a god and plans to wipe out half the world with bombs to prove it, including the eastern seaboard of the U.S. And so, and Berlin, I and, guess. <laughs> and Berlin. And Berlin. Nope. Nope. Don't you say and Berlin on this podcast. <laughs> So, oh no! So, Pothub. What? No, um, Christian. Amberlin that... is a band, not Amberlin. Oh, God, you're disgusting. Hey, man. So, <laughs> is that a porn star? Yes. I. It's Amberlin. Look, Amberlin. Stop revealing your porn habits on this podcast. It just sounds like a porn star. So name. we've got. And Berlin, and Berlin, and, and Amber Lynn. Look, if I heard of a girl named Cinnamon Angel, I would assume that's a porn star. Hey. That's my dog's name. <laughs> that's my dog's name. Um, so Cap tries to get drunk, but he cannot because he's a super soldier now. And what is it? Like it. His metabolism is four times higher than that of a normal human. So he just can't get drunk, but he's real bummed about Bucky. And Peggy, like, he's drinking in some dilapidated building that's obviously been bombed <laughs> out in Europe. And Peggy just kind of comes walking in. And um, this is my only problem with her character in this movie, is that she often seems to just kind of, like, drift or walk into a scene out of nowhere, say something to him, and then she walks on out. 
It was the same when he was like bummed about his song and dance routine. She just kind of walks in suddenly and then she's gone. And she does it like four times in this movie. There, Honestly, there are several times where she shows up in this movie in places where she really doesn't have any business being. Like, she's yeah. not a soldier. See? Which, it's commendable for the movie to try to, like, keep this woman involved in the story. Yeah, but, but write her into that part of the story if you want her to be involved in it. You know what I mean? She feels so, to use a Christian word from uh, last episode... Tertiary. She is like the epitome <laughs> of a tertiary yeah. character. As Rin peels that off his word of the day calendar. Uh, also, you made the same you joke, the same joke last time. That's yeah, a, you can't I, do that I was, twice. I was saying that I was making it a. It was a successor to the previous joke. <laughs> I hate you. A successor in the same joke. <laughs> I said also same same but different to quote James Franco. Um. Yeah, she'll she'll just kind of drift in and flirt or offer advice, and then she's out of there until the next time she does it. Yeah, absolutely. So after the briefing uh, the next day where they learn about Zola's plans in detail, uh, Captain America and his boys head out. Cap rides a motorcycle, which I think is interesting because motorcycles are typically reserved for kind of the bad boy character. Yeah. And Cap is anything but... Well, motorcycles were kind of a big thing in World War II. Like, they, they really did have a lot of motorcycles on the front. And it's just a Captain America thing. Like, he's known for riding a motorcycle in uh, previous movies and in the comic books. Also, I, I, I just want to say real quick, I, I like Captain America with a gun. And I kind of miss it later on. Like, I think that's part of Captain America is that he's a soldier. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, especially because it's totally justified. Yeah, absolutely. You are fighting a war. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I wish that there was I, – I mean, there's a little callback in the Avengers, but I wish that there was a little more of Captain America with a sidearm just because I think – honestly, I think that it looks cooler, and I think that it's more true to, like, his character of being a soldier. You know Man. what I mean? Going through basic training, being a real patriot or whatever. Which, honestly, a character like Batman, you got the Joker who, like, massacres – groups of people over and over if batman picks up a gun and blows that guy away nobody's gonna shed a tear <laughs> i know come on dude i know it's it, i feel like the people in gotham city at this point are just like come on just shoot him like any soldier that happens to be on the scene or cop is gonna blow that guy away if they have the chance and <laughs> the fact that batman has not done that is... i know batman like you know he's the most powerful guy in gotham city but he has this principle that is screwing over gotham city and it's over probably and over. it's probably another one of those batman things where he wants the joker to stay alive because he needs him to be a part of his life or whatever but whatever psychology bullshit they try to push like on you layer onto the next, bruce in Wayne. the next batman movie <laughs> imagine like a physical representation of all the psychology bullshit they layer onto bruce wayne over the years it's just like a mess it's a stack of papers <laughs> bruce wayne's gonna develop tourette syndrome at some point i'm sure <laughs> he already has he did an uh, all-star batman where he yells, I am the goddamn Batman, like 50 <laughs> times. I've never, ever read or seen that because it's I don't know what medium that is. It's by current Frank Miller, which is just racist angriness. Yeah, I don't like new Frank Miller. Angriness, anger, whatever. kind of gross. Oh, but I was going to say, if you like Captain America with a sidearm and you can go for someone that isn't Steve Rogers... Bucky becomes Captain America in the comics. For I a did know bit that, yeah. And has a gun. No, oh, he nice. becomes so, Captain Puerto Rico because he looks like the Puerto he Rican flag. He does look like the Puerto Rican flag. <laughs> you know, he looks like Captain America if Captain America had been designed by Alex Ross. 
or Rose Ross Ross Alex Ross yes yeah because he was was he I'm pretty sure oh I didn't realize that I think Bucky Cap was designed by Alex Ross oh well that could be wrong surprise me because Alex Ross loves his overuse of black and we're back to Capitan America so he's chased for a bit by Hydra agents on their own motorcycles. And it plays like the speeder scene on indoor from return of the Jedi. They're going through a forest and there are these other guys. And it, it, there's even a Wilhelm scream when one of them falls yeah. off yes. his speeder. Yeah. There's no way that that isn't a, like a callback. You know what I mean? It's gotta be. Yeah. Well, didn't the director work on Indiana Jones? So he's already got a close he relationship did. with George. Lucas. There are a few references to Indiana Jones, specifically Raiders. Yeah. Uh, in this movie. Like when uh, Red Skull first gets the Tesseract and he says something like, uh, and the Fuhrer wastes his time digging for trinkets in the desert while holding it. And that's, he's just talking about Raiders. Yeah. Which is great. I like to think that this takes place in that universe a little bit. Um, anyway, Cap manages to make it into Hydra's last base. Uh, that's like a big, they stress that a little bit is it's their last base, yeah. which course it is because the final they can't boss have much if more. you will the boss level yes uh <laughs> and he kicks a lot of ass once he gets in there oh and he's this is where he, i think he's got his official wait when does he suit up in the like official captain america uniform it's, it's whenever he starts rolling with the uh the commandos yeah it's during the montage okay yeah. so this was that was before Bucky yeah, died yeah, and yeah, everything. yeah yeah he has more i don't know more of an official outfit which, if you want to talk about fans being overly comic book fans about shit, um, his uniform has the red stripes around his waist like Captain America does, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the center red stripe, and people griped because he's always had a center red stripe. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate liking comic books sometimes. I'm sitting here. Christian Christian sometimes can be one of those people where, like, if he if he doesn't like something because it's not comics accurate, he'll say so. But he's not even that bad. I mean, my, That's ob- that is obnoxiously one bad. One of my big things <laughs> is when bad. I often get mad about things not being comic book accurate is mostly, like, when villains needlessly die or things like that. Just because I don't like being closed off to adaptations of stories that I love. But, I mean, there are definitely things where... I, I get all pissy. Christian did push up his glasses and take a puff off his inhaler during that during that <laughs> whole spiel. I don't have an inhaler. Do you I, have asthma? And and Not he's also anymore. prone. He's also prone to colds. What about uh, heart palpitations? Four <laughs> <laughs> F. So oh, Steve is captured. He's like cornered by these flamethrower dudes. Captured America. That are too many bosses. My God. <laughs> um, and Red Skull beats him up a little bit while Cap tells him that he's from Brooklyn and that he can do this all day. Two things he mentions many, many, many times yeah, well, in all of these movies. Well, Red Skull straight up goes Agent Smith on it's 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 the Agent, Agent Smith and Morpheus. Yes. Scene it really is up Morpheus. I was thinking that while I was watching it, I was missing some of those Lawrence Fishburne noises. Oh man. If you guys have not seen The Matrix, Lawrence Fishburne, while he's getting beat up by Agent Smith, makes some of the best I'm getting hit in the face noises I've ever heard. It's, it's like that whole movie has amazing sound design. It really does. But man, but man, Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne really contributes. Yeah, he takes it to the next level, man. <laughs> <laughs> or when he's being tortured and like they're putting drugs and stuff in him, and he's going. <laughs> he gives a hundred and ten. He really does. <laughs> um, and so as Red Skull is about to kill Cap, uh, the other troops arrive to save the day. 
and uh, Captain or Commander Phillips and Peggy are with them. Uh, sometimes the Hydra guns blow shit up, and other times they just completely vaporize human yeah. beings. Like, it's really just whatever the director decides. It's, it's whatever the movie needs at that moment. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's kind of inconsistent. But that's, it is. but I mean, but I mean, for an action, this is an, definitely an action movie, and that, that can be forgiven. And it's not a distraction. As, it's yeah. just, yeah. I noticed it. Uh, so, good thing Cap stopped that door from closing with his shield, since there's no other way to get to the hangar that he has to chase Red Skull into. Except the way that all the other soldier, soldiers and Hydra agents get in there. Yeah. Because it, it treats it like, oh, good thing he stopped the door and he grabs his shield and runs after Schmidt. But then all of these other people are in there fighting too, including like Peggy gets in there and Commander Phillips. And I was like, why did he even have to throw his shield? He could have just gone around the other way. <laughs> That's too much work. Right. Because we couldn't have had that cool shot of the shield sticking in the door. And that is the reason. I guess <laughs> That's so. the actual that re- reason. That is the reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, and man, this hangar is the biggest hangar you've ever seen. There, the, This base is in the Alps. And the hangar, it, like the plane that the Red Skull is escaping in, is housing other tiny planes inside of it. That's how big this thing is. Yeah, it is. About it's, the size of the Millennium Falcon. It's the real final base. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he starts up the plane, um, and Cap chases after it during another really bad example of green screen because this hangar doesn't exist. And uh, yeah, it looks like a matte painting almost. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yes. Luckily, uh, what's her name? Peggy and uh, Phillips, Tommy Lee Jones, they steal Schmidt's car. And they pull up. They steal the penis mobile. They steal the penis mobile. <laughs> and Cap jumps in. And they uh, chase down the plane. And the plane is like speeding up too much. And freaking, I, I kid you not, uh, Tommy Lee Jones presses the little red button in the car <laughs> that gives it like a turbo boost. This is straight out of Men in Black. Then <laughs> 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 they boost up to it. And Cap's about to jump on board, but before he does, uh, Peggy says, wait, and gives him a big old smooch. Like, they finally kiss. And then Tommy Lee Jones tosses oh, him a I noisy cricket, and then in they go. Oh, no, oh, I thought no, you were going to say what you're talking about. Cap, but I like, do love turns to, to Commander Phillips, and he goes, well, I'm not going to kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that, but I was also making a joke. And then Cap doesn't kiss anybody else until uh, Black Widow and Winter Soldier. 70 years without kissing a single woman. Grand How does that feel, Christian? <laughs> <laughs> it's cold and it's dark <laughs> and it's lonely. <laughs> Help me. I do think that that car chase is great because it's just full of like little bits. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. This is. I feel like the uh, like the the MCU started off like the like the throwaway one-liners with Tony Stark, but they, I feel like the way that they pepper them in this movie is tasteful. You know what I mean? It doesn't overdo it. And this is where they started like that trend of knowing when too much humor is too much. They, they really do do a good job of making this movie just humorous enough to not be horribly depressing because it could be, it could be if they wanted it to be. And I have to say, as far as third acts in these superhero movies go, this is easily one of the best. Oh yeah. It doesn't drag one second. There's a clear mission. The stakes are clear. 
it doesn't devolve into like CGI nonsense yeah. at all. And I can actually see everything that's going on. Yeah. It's clear as day. Uh, Red Skull is on this plane and he's going to take bombs somewhere and he's going to, or he's going to bomb like half the earth, uh, which is a stupid plan. But I get it. I know what he's doing, and I can see all of this. Yes, and it's superhero movie third acts. They have a bad way of devolving into like this city is getting destroyed oh, and stuff's getting thrown into stuff and big blue explosions. beam in the sky. Yeah. When was the blue beam in this movie? It's when. Uh, well, we're not there yet. Yeah, we're not I'll there men- yet. I'll mention it when we get there. Um, but yeah, I, I think exactly I think that I think that this movie it does a really clear job throughout. Like. Uh, Steve Rogers throughout all three acts, he has three different motives. You know what I mean? The first one, get yes. in the army. The second one, save Bucky Barnes. The third one, stop Red Skull. Yes. And so, yeah, all throughout this movie, it's like the 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 thing that drives the plot for me is very, very clear. And I think that that makes a better movie as a result. That's why mm-hmm. this is, this is honestly, this and is probably my second or third favorite MCU movie for that reason. And his uh, relationship with Peggy, like it's believable. Yeah, it's yeah. well done. Yeah, and... I agree. It's like you don't hate her or anything. No. Yeah, they've they've. It's not like uh, 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 what was it where there was like cl- no clear motivation? Oh, was that Iron Man two? Uh, I don't know. I I I was thinking like as far as relationships go, like the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. Mary Jane can be yeah, a horrible person in those movies. Oh man, I film. totally agree. She's the worst girlfriend. Every time I've she ever got kidnapped, seen. I was on the villain side kill her i know she has now yes. cheated on she has now cheated on two boyfriends one of whom is spider-man and she's not even apologetic about it no. she left her husband at the altar to go make out with toby mcguire oh man she Bullshit. cheats she cheats Bullshit. so many times <laughs> she does man and then she left toby mcguire to go make out with james franco that oh makes man! Sense. And then she's got okay. The whole... Well, that one makes a lot more sense <laughs> we'll, we'll... because James Franco doesn't look like a puppy. <laughs> we'll get there when we talk. <laughs> we'll about get to all movie. of that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about Spider Man at some point. Man, but anyway, anyway. And boy, do we have some things to say about those? Yeah. Movies. Oh those... man, <laughs> that's like that's that's the goal for me is to get yeah. there eventually. Yeah. Waiting to do the Spider Man trilogy for a long time. You oh, yeah. almost did it before this, and watching, we were so freaking excited for it. Watching the Spider Man trilogy is what gave us the idea to start this. It as much as I despise a lot of her character and stuff, uh, those movies just feel like home to me. Oh yeah, I love those movies. Lots of problems that we'll talk about, but I love oh, those yeah. movies. Yes. Um, so once on the plane, which is carrying a bunch of smaller planes, which are carrying bombs, uh, and they're all labeled too, which is a little bit silly. I thought that too. That's, New York. See, now that where is am the, I flying to again? Looks out the window. Okay, <laughs> that that's right. is the Batman that we've been waiting for. Yes. we got a label where our bombs are going to, <laughs> and it's like painted There's your in labels, that 1940s Christian. font and everything. Yeah, it's, it's like. <laughs> he 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 doesn't want to forget which targets they're color. Oh, and this is where we get the. At one point, one of the guys jumps into one of the planes, oh, and uh, Cap stops him, and then another guy jumps into a plane, and Cap doesn't quite get to him in time, yeah, and so the Cap, guy like, takes jumps off on the plane, and another Hydra agent and, jumps yeah, on top of and it, is, like punching Captain America in the head, and and the guy flying it is trying to like shake Captain America off, and ends up shaking the other Hydra agent. Who falls oh, through the man. propeller, and the movie shows us 
as his bo- it shows his body turning into this fine red mist. Yeah, yeah there's even like a kind of a long shot of it where it's flying up and you just see this red mist yeah, trail. Yeah, this is the goriest it's, moment yeah. shown in, and, and it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, this guy just flies this, backwards and he just becomes blood in the I air. I do not care what we saw in the first Iron Man or in any other I was going to say it rivals movie. Iron Man's yeah. burning people to death. This is the most brutal death I have ever seen in a superhero movie. Ooh, I don't know if I would say a superhero well, movie okay, in yeah, general. Well, okay, yeah, I guess that's true. This is the most brutal death I've seen in an MCU movie. Yes, I, Absolutely. Think, I think so. It's awesome, though. Yeah, Disney <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Disney did not Disney that scene up. Please do more of that. <laughs> uh, and Cap is able to like bust into the airplane, and he pulls the ejector seat, which launches that guy out. And then he jumps in and he flies the plane back into the big plane. He <laughs> <laughs> flies the plane into the plane, and uh, <laughs> you know how planes he ends work. up fighting Red Skull, and it's like the windshield of the giant plane gets blasted out and kind of creates this mm-hmm. windy environment for their final boss fight, and uh, the Cap like knocks the tesseract out of its little holding yeah, slot they're, they're fighting and uh, he throws his shield at this there's like a vessel like a container vessel yeah. because i guess it's powering the ship or whatever like a, that's see so. that's what i thought yeah but then the plane is still moving after the tesseract is removed so well, maybe it's whatever's... not maybe he's just maybe that's just how because we watched the tesseract melt through metal yeah. Maybe that's just how they carry it. Yeah, so there anyway, the thing that's holding the tesseract it's in a suitcase. Cap, yeah, Cap throws his shield at it and it knocks the thing out and I guess the tesseract flies out as well. Yeah, well, and uh Red Skull picks it up first. Yeah, Red Skull picks it up. Yeah. And he's holding it talking about harnessing the power of the gods. There's a giant big blue light up in the sky. Yeah. Oh, shoot, and then that's right. our favorite guest star. Cuz then it shows like a Space. galaxy. Yeah kind of around them almost mm-hmm. like it's a portal or which like is, something opening up which i think is a cool like kind of foreshadowing of the origins of the tesseract yeah, hey, and just so you guys because no i mean nobody was expecting infinity war at the time yeah so we saw that and thought it was just super powerful i don't think there were a lot of people that thought oh shit that's the space stone for the infinity god and it's kind of another uh raiders callback where he picks it up and it just like disintegrates it him. Melts no, him yeah. no that's not what happens he vanishes he flies away like well, according to the writers of the movie and everything he, I, I i understand why it looks the way like it's done in the movie i mean when he picks it up too like his glove disintegrates and then his yeah, whole that's body him being just teleported because that's what the tesseract does it, it teleports people because it's the space stone it moves you through space oh that's why people are thinking uh the red skull could come back is because we weren't sure he should dying. come back. He could totally. Yeah. If Hugo Weaving would just stop being a little bitch about some, I makeup. think I think they will absolutely recast because it'll be like a surprise villain thing if they yeah. do it. Some guy will pull off his face, Red Skull. Yeah. Which, um, yes, please. Anyway, Red room. Skull is teleported. I guess in this movie he's, he's gone. He's dead, uh, and Cap has to take control of the plane, and uh, he realizes that it's going really fast. And it's headed towards America. New York. It's headed straight toward New York. And his hometown. Yeah, he's got to do something to stop it. And, uh, oh, and that's, did we, yeah, we said the Tesseract falls and it burns yeah, through it the plane. it melts through the metal and everything. Yeah, so it falls out of the and plane disappears. into the ocean. Yeah. And uh, somehow the plane is still flying. I thought 
that the tesseract was powering the thing. Yeah, I did too, but I guess it makes more sense now that I think about it that it that it it was just a plane. Fancy looking suitcase. Big plane. Yeah. Big plane. It was a very fancy suitcase. Yes. <laughs> uh Cap gets one last like farewell to Peggy over the radio. I gotta put her in the water. That's yeah. what he says. And uh they set up a date to go dancing. Even though Cap knows he's about to die or thinks he knows he's about to die. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the plane, like it suddenly cuts out while he's talking with her mm-hmm. and it shows the plane has crashed and it sinks deep into the ice. Uh, the world celebrates victory over Hydra and the Nazis and Cap is remembered as a hero. Howard Stark and his men find the Tesseract, but because it fell out before the plane ever crashed... There's no sign of debris or anything, mm-hmm. so they. But and the guys are like, "Well, this is where the energy stops." And Howard Stark, being the good old boy he is, is like, "Nope, keep looking." Yep, just keep looking. Got to find Cap. Uh, and then we cut to Captain America. Yep. Waking up, and he's in this room. There's a baseball game playing over the radio. Yeah, playing over the radio. This woman it, walks in. He's wearing a uh, screen-printed T-shirt that didn't exist in the 1940s. Yes, he is. That was that's like the first clear sign yeah. that something's off. And uh, the what is it? He says something like the game that's he's, playing he, he was, was broadcast. He was at the game. Yeah, that's right, because it was, it was 1941. And because uh, he asked the lady where he is, and she's like, "Oh, you're in a hospital in Brooklyn." And he's like, where am I really? And she is like uh, what are you sweating and stuff. <laughs> um, she's only sweating because she's standing near Chris Evans. That's true. He's spicy. That is true. And he's also with the human torch. So flame on, baby. <laughs> flame on. Um, and then he kind of freaks out and he runs out of the room. Really, he busts through this wall and it turns out the room is just like a set basically yeah he's like in a computer he's like not a computer simulation but a simulated room yes yeah and uh he escapes out of this building past all these people and uh there's an alarm set off to chase him down and he runs outside and there are modern cars everywhere and he's freaking out and he gets to Times square of course he goes to uh, Times square the biggest example of what the modern day is like yes (laughs) And Nick Fury shows up, and we find out that Captain America has been asleep for 70 years. 70 years. He's been in the ice. They found his body, which is what happened at the beginning of the movie. And uh, what does Nick Fury say to him? I don't remember. He says, says, like, is something wrong or are you okay? And then uh, Chris Evans says, "Uh, yeah, I I just I had a date. And then the movie ends. Which is kind ends, of a ends. weird line to finish yeah. on. Yeah. It feels a little incomplete. Yeah, it, it does. It, but I, it's it's fine. I feel like had it ended with the post credit scene, which is actually just a teaser for the Avengers, but had it ended yeah. with him, like, the, the okay, so the post credit scene is uh, a scene from the Avengers where Steve Rogers is, he's punching a punching bag. He punches it off the, uh, off the chain that it's holding on, um, you know, into a wall. And then Nick Fury comes up to him with an assignment. That would have been a great scene to end the movie on. Like, I think that they should have ended it. First of all, like the finding his body and stuff. I don't think that should have been at the beginning of the movie. I think they should have just done the whole thing, like from the 1940s, and then they have they could have that scene where they actually find his body in modern times, and uh, have that be like the whole cut scene or the the stinger scene 
where it would end when the movie like 1940s ends and then have the stinger be like a little extra long stinger Mm -hmm. where they find his body and then he wakes up in the hospital bed and wants to know what the hell's going on. It does kind of kill the tension of the movie a little bit because you're never that much in fear, I guess, of Steve Rogers being dead because you know they find him. You know what I mean? They they foreshadow at the very beginning that they find him. Yes. Yeah. And they're not going to find him and have him be dead. That wouldn't make any sense, especially whenever it's Chris Evans. You we know found his mean? mummified remains. <laughs> he still had a look of absolute horror on his face. From he was the crying whenever he died. He scratched Peggy into his coffin. He actually scratched death is only the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Death is only the beginning. I have spoken with God and he has abandoned us. (laughs) And that's how the movie ends. And that's how it ends. Hey, we're done. Um, All right. So the the Danny Award for this one goes to the uh, I Can Swim kid. It's the guy. (laughs) It's the kid that uh, the Hydra agent when cap first gets his powers and everything is uh being held hostage the the kid is being held hostage by the the hydra agent yeah, and right. and then he throws him into the water thinking cap will have to rescue him and then he looks over the edge and the kid's like it's okay i can swim <laughs> he's like oh okay i know what a weird assumption to make like i feel like the majority of people in the world can swim you know what i mean yes <laughs> yeah. anyway i thought the kid made me laugh so um and they're aside from him and like Natalie Dormer, there aren't a lot of people that really stand yeah, out. I mean, the sec- the third closest is probably Dum Dum Dugan, but even he's he's kind of too Danny Award too major. Yeah. Uh, so Captain America: The Drinking Game, Ooh. as usual, drink every time someone takes a drink, and uh, waterfall for the Stanley cameo. Uh, drink every time someone is dissolved by a Hydra gun. Ooh, that's a good one. Drink every time a flamethrower is used. Oh, no. That's four <laughs> flamethrowers. Yep. Uh, All at once, though. And drink for every Hydra salute or Hail Hydra, unless it's in the giant hangar, because oh, you will okay. die. Because, I was like, <laughs> because there are like 400 billion. of them. Yeah, at least. <laughs> this is the first drinking game I can play where it's legal for me to play it. Yeah. Oh, Christian oh. recently had his 21st birthday. Yes. Yay! I don't remember it. You shouldn't. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the story of Christian's 21st birthday. <laughs> Good call. I don't I, like hearing it. I also, before that, I turned 30 recently. So Yay. A, lot of, a lot of big <laughs> milestones. AARP! <laughs> uh, congratulations. Ren can now get a couple of dollars off his meal at Denny's. Yep. My retirement fund is set up. Uh <laughs> It's got a tight 401k. Yep, I'm starting to wear a girdle to keep my belly in. Our man, our bathroom has just been it's been floor to ceiling with incontinence pads since Ren turned 30. <laughs> uh, the old bastard. Uh okay, our best and worst. Um I think it's my turn to go first yeah. with these. Uh best I, we might all have the same best. I'm not sure. I hope we do. My my best is Chris Evans as Captain America because there was all that talk about him being the human torch and people really not having faith in him. And man, he totally sells it. And like Christian said, he's he's my favorite part of the MCU too. Yeah, absolutely. He's Cap is just such an amazing character and well, he plays it with total conviction for the part. Just to just in case cuz I don't know how Jacob is, but I also have Chris Evans. Uh because just like you said, he is as much as Robert Downey Jr. redefined who Tony Stark was in the comic books, 
Chris Evans brought the Captain America I grew up reading to the screen. Yes. He is the personification of the comic character in every way. He's absolutely perfect. He is what uh, Henry Cavill's Superman should be. Yeah, absolutely. In the Superman movies. Absolutely. I actually went with... uh... Chris Evans. Yeah, okay. I went with okay. Chris Evans. Yeah, <laughs> cool. He, uh, yeah, I think he. But you're gonna say a- Agent Schmidt. <laughs> I was thinking he might go with Stanley Tucci. No, Stanley Tucci does do a great yeah. job. Don't get me wrong, and and not to mention I have a soft spot for Stanley Tucci. Yeah. He was my like runner up. Yeah, oh, yeah. But no, I yeah I think that Chris Evans he he manages to play somebody for somebody who's so incredibly handsome, who's so incredibly good looking you know, and he's super been, buff. He's been playing all these cocky characters yeah. up until this point. His manages... most recent movie before this was the losers where he plays like the cockiest dude who's ever existed. Yeah. I think he manages to like, it's, it's almost a preface to the man out of time. He's like a man out of his own body. You know what yeah. I mean? And he yes. manages to play that, that like that unsure kind of, like polite but driven person he manages to play that so so incredibly well like even the little throwaway things like where he's running after the hydra agent Mm -hmm. and he crashes into the shop because he's not used to his new body and so he's just like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry yeah like he he plays those little things so well you know what i mean and i i didn't expect a lot from chris evans out of this role and i feel like i honestly i really got more than i paid for absolutely with him and i love his one moment of weakness where he's actually trying to get drunk but he can't get drunk yeah so he's just kind of somber and sad um Uh, yeah i totally agree for for another great chris evans performance check out the movie sunshine by danny boyle um that movie i remember specifically he just like totally caught me off guard because he had just been playing these cocky characters. Or, uh, another one for me is a uh, snow piercer. He's great in he that is too. Phenomenal. Blew me when, away. When you said Danny Boyle at first, my mind went to Danny Bonaducci. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, what no. the hell? That guy makes good stuff. Acclaimed director, <laughs> Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> Academy award winning director, Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> that um, movie is coded in grime, as I'm sure Danny Bonaducci is. Yes, but he's a uh, yeah. He's like he's playing this asshole character in that movie, but he's totally justified in his being an asshole because the entire human race is at stake because mm-hmm. of the mission of the movie. Anyway, it's I love it. A lot of people uh, don't love the third act because it kind of turns into a slasher, but man, it's great, and he is the best part of it by far. Oh, I love Chris Evans. Uh. Worst character for me was Dominique Cooper as Howard Stark. Dominique? Is he a... Isn't it Dominique? 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 I thought you said Dominique. I did say Dominique, but I guess it's... I had a hairdresser named Dominique for a while, but uh, it was a sassy black woman. It's Dominatrix Cooper. Okay. (laughs) No, he... uh, There's just... I don't see a lot of Tony Stark in this guy, aside from the one scene at the expo. Um... And honestly, Dominic Cooper is totally just bland to me. I, he's very forgettable in everything I've seen him in. I know he's on the show Preacher now. I'd, I have no idea how well he does on that show, but um, he's so forgettable to me. And um, I really think that he could have done more to sort of steal the show or at least solidify his character a bit more. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a stark thing. You know? Yes, exactly. Um, I... Uh... 
I don't have one. I could not think for me personally, uh, even Dominic Cooper, who I agree, I guess if I had to pick like a, the weakest performance, uh, I, it'd have to be Dominic Cooper. But even that is hard for me to say, but that's because I have all the reference material from agent Carter that he's also in. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but I mean, guess if, you, if I have to look at just this movie, it's probably him. But even then, I don't want to pick him because I feel like every character or every actor nailed who they were playing perfectly all the way to whoever it was that played Dum Dum Dugan for the 15 minutes he's in the movie. Oh, it's that one. I don't know. I, I, I don't like that actor, but he's totally fine as Dum Dum Dugan. Just, he looks like Dum Dum Dugan. So for me, I had one. Um, I picked uh, actually Hugo Weaving as red skull and the only reason that i think so is because i don't think i love i don't get me wrong i love hugo weaving i love him in just about everything in fact today i have my first viewing of the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring i loved hugo weaving well yeah yeah but, he's great yeah but i it might be partially a writing issue but I it's just absolutely a writing issue he's totally underwritten yeah, yeah i just i think that there's there's very little depth and I think, but I think he could have brought a little more depth to that characterization, or at and least he, something. He doesn't. That character is very, you know, the Red Skull in this movie. He's very one note. Well, honestly, uh, there's God. there's just very little. There's very little nuance to the way that he plays it either. It's it's he's. I mean, I I prefer my villains to be a little more charismatic. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hugo Weaving, he plays it bland. He plays it with zero charisma. Um, and he plays it. It's just very one note. And so I, I think he still does a fine job for how it's written, but, uh, he's definitely my least favorite. I feel that. I mean, for me personally, I didn't mind it too much, but that's because again, I have the years of comic book yeah, that I do where absolutely. Red Skull is uh, a pretty one note character. He's I- evil for evil's sake, mostly, which doesn't. I mean, that he, does, he falls him... into that Marvel trope yeah. of like villains yeah. that just aren't very think, well fleshed yeah, out. I think that that's, Absolutely. I think that that's good for comics where you're doing it serialized, but in a feature length film, I think that it's necessary to yeah, have your villains have sure. a little nuance. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, really and truly for me, at least Hugo Weaving brought a good comic portrayal to the screen. It's just Red Skull kind of sucks as a character. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And, I, I just I expected a little more out yeah, of a feature. I would say for, sure. for me to uh, next to Stanley Tucci, Haley Otwell, just because her oh. character as a woman in these superhero movies is better than any woman we've seen oh, yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is mostly to do with the writing, not necessarily the performance, although she's totally fine in the part. Um, it's just nice to see some better representation there. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's do a recast. I will start it because I think it's my turn. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so the first one I have is Christoph Waltz as Dr. Abraham Erskine because I think that we've... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Did shit. we all three <laughs> cast <laughs> it? Dude, I love, <laughs> I love Christoph Waltz as everybody does, but... Um, <laughs> Also, just the him playing sympathetic characters is surprisingly effective. He's he's shown, you know, a lot of people think of Hans Landa, but he, 
whenever they think of him. But yeah. he's shown a little more range, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Eyes was a movie he did that yeah. I thought was yeah. really good, or at least he was good well, in it. And in Django, yeah, when he even, plays a good guy. He plays the exact yeah. opposite I mean, of he's kind of. I mean, he's yes. kind of a psychopath still in Django, but he definitely yeah. shows the sympathetic side. And yeah. I completely agree. So we don't have to do that one. And we don't nice. have to do Dr. Uh, what's his Erskine? name? Erskine. Erskine. We don't have to do him because like we all Dr. picked Dr. Erskine in uh In the Django. comics? Oh, see, I, I didn't. Oh, in Django. Yeah. Um, He's all bearded and everything. He looks like Stanley <laughs> Tucci. That's, that's true. Awesome. I knew. Man, that's amazing. <laughs> I said right before we started recording, I was worried about all three of us having the same guy for him because he's immediately who I thought of when I saw uh, Stanley Tucci. Um, for Dr. Zola, I went with Kevin J. O'Connor, uh, which is funny that his last name is O'Connor. I never thought about that, but he plays Benny in no the 1999 The Mummy. That's a great choice. Because, Ooh. and you were saying, you were comparing him to Igor, and he yeah. plays Igor in that stupid Van Helsing movie. Oh my gosh. But I didn't consider. Wow. That's I, a great choice, man. Yeah. Man, I love that actor, and I think he's also got some impressive range. I mm-hmm. mean, he's in There Will Be Blood, and he's it's a totally serious part. Absolutely. Comic relief. Yeah. He can be sympathetic. He's amazing. But and boy, oh boy, does he play sniveling well. Yes, oh, he yeah. does. He is, <laughs> Benny is the definition of sniveling. Yeah. So he doesn't really look anything like, uh, who's uh, the actor? Uh, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> no, it's uh, Tony Bell. Tony not, Bell. Not to- no, Tony no, Bell? not Tony Bell. What's his, what's his name? We Ugh. said it earlier in the podcast, I but know. I can't remember either. Who cares? I... Trash bag with googly eyes. He's a, he's a fine... <laughs> Toby Jones. Toby Jones. He's that's a fine right. actor. He's a good actor. Even. He is. He is great. He just isn't the best looking. Um, For Bucky, I went with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Really? Hmm. Yeah. That's a strange pick for me. Um. I just thought it needs to be someone a little bit more notable since he does come back for future movies and everything. Uh, He's not quite as tall or as like impressive and manly as Captain America is. Right. But uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has played like he played Cobra Commander in the G.I. Joe movies, which is like, man, (laughs) I did not know that. Not a not a great movie for him to like stretch his acting chops in but no. he does a, a fine job um if, if there's and, a movie for him to stretch his acting chops for me it's got to be 50 50 well and then he's also uh in don john he kind of oh, bulks yeah. up oh a little bit God, for don that john's an awesome movie he's yeah so good absolutely and everybody loves joseph gordon levitt yeah. he's awesome um for peggy i went with the most british sounding woman ever tuppence middleton Oh my gosh! Um, she's in Black Mirror. She's in the the White Bear episode. She's the one walking around with the girl who's oh uh, uh, the one that blocks him. No, or... no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 not White, White Bear. Christmas. The one. Oh, oh, so she's the woman. I'm thinking White escorting Christmas. the child murderer. Yes. Oh, okay. The okay. Main, okay. Yeah, okay. She's and a good actress. she was also unfortunately in Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. yeah well, you can't win them all, man. Channing Tatum's a fine actor, and he was in Jupiter Ascending. Uh, yeah, but Channing Tatum's, yeah. Been, Channing Tatum's been in a lot of crap. He's That's just... true. Eddie Redmayne's an Oscar-nominated actor, and yeah. uh, he was the worst part of that movie. He was. He was horrible. God, he but was so um, anyway, she's a, she's a British actress, and she's brunette, and she's played these some strong roles, been in big-budget stuff. Uh She's also just a really strong performer, so I think that she would be great in the part. Um, for Red Skull, I went with Daniel Craig. 
Ooh, Ooh that's a good like one. Because he's just one. got that Aryan look like nobody's business. Those eyes that just, you know, as Bond especially, where it's mm-hmm. like he's murdered people and he totally sells it just yeah, with his like eyes that, alone. Yeah, that piercing haunted kind of thing. And because he is supposed to be a super soldier in his own right, I thought I wanted someone who could go toe-to-toe with Captain America and it be kind of believable. So, uh, yeah, I went with Daniel Craig there. And for Captain America, I chose Chris Pine. Um, I thought about Chris Pine. He's a, he a, he's a little old for me. Little old, yeah. He's yeah. like he's forty now. Yeah, he's um, forty one, forty two. Somewhere he's forty. Oh, is he? I think so. Oh, um, but yeah, he's blonde hair, blue eye, uh, American actor. That was a big part of mine. I wanted to choose an American actor uh, to play Captain America. It just felt right. And uh, he's obviously shown that he can be a, a lead in these big budget movies mm-hmm. with Captain Kirk and the new Star Wars or Star Trek. My bad. <laughs> How dare you? Um, We're going to turn the nerds against And us. he's an amazing, like, as far as being a sympathetic guy, like if you've seen Hell or High Water, oh, he's fantastic yeah, in that. That movie's amazing. And and, I've uh, seen it. Oh, man. I own it, dude. You need to watch yeah, it sometime. Yeah, we'll get on it. We'll get so on it very good. soon. So anyway, that's my, that's my list. Nice. Go I ahead, like Cookie. It. Uh, we could skip. We could skip one. <laughs> Hans Landa. Uh, for Doctor Arnim Zola, I went with one of the ugliest actors I could think of, who I'm pretty sure can do a German accent. So I went with Risa Fons. I don't know okay. him from much of anything except for uh, he played the lizard in the the first Amazing Spider-Man. I'm sure he's been in other. I, oh yeah, I'm sure I've okay. seen him in other stuff. I just don't remember. Because I don't want to remember because his face is... Let me just say he was part of my cast for a movie that we previously did. And we decided we would save that person for another movie. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that. So when I say it eventually, I don't want you being like, okay, the guy that I just named. Okay, I got it. But yeah, (laughs) Risa Fons, he's a good enough actor. Uh, Arnim Zola's not a big enough role he can do the menacing long enough that he's convincing and yeah so, perfect for james buchanan barnes bucky i went with <laughs> uh jamie bell who a lot of people are unfortunately going to know him as uh the thing in fant four stick oh no he's also in but, snowpiercer yeah he's in that's why i picked him he's in snowpiercer alongside uh steve rogers not steve Jesus, uh, Chris Pine <laughs> or Chris Evans, yeah, God yeah, damn it. man, and he's really good in that movie. My I, only problem is that Jamie Bell is like five six or something. Is he's he? very tiny. I thought he was like six three. No, dude. Oh, my that bad. guy is little. My bad. Well, okay. For Peggy, and I mentioned this actress earlier in the podcast. I went five with, seven. Oh man. And my dad's 5'7". I'm 5'9". <laughs> Asshole. Uh, my for, dad could beat up your dad. I'm sure he can. <laughs> Just my kidding, dad can Chris beat up everybody's Cook. dad. Your dad can look at people and they're in pain. Shout out to you, dad. You're the manliest person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> uh, me too. For Peggy, I went with uh, Jenna Coleman, who I mentioned earlier in the show. She plays. She's actually in the movie. She plays the date that uh, Bucky has. The brown hair. What girl. else is she in? Um, she was in most notably uh, Doctor Who as uh, Clara Oswald. She was one of the companions, and she's British. She's an amazing actress. She's really good at playing a, okay. a strong-willed woman. Uh, and honestly, I just love her. I love her to death. 
You have a crush on her. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because you're a who head. Yes, I am. <laughs> For Red Skull, I went with the most terrifying personification of Nazis I've ever seen on screen. And I went with Rafe Fiennes <laughs> because he That's looks a good one. like that is the, a good one. He looks like the Red Skull. He yeah. looks like him. That's funny that you went with him and I went with Daniel Craig and they're uh, both congratulations. The new you Bond gave Ray yeah. Fiennes together. another no nose role. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, typecast. This he, man can have no nose. Typecast as a man with no nose. <laughs> <laughs> there are specifically two movies. Well, one's He's a like series. the Reginald Vell Johnson, but instead of being a cop, it's no nose. <laughs> 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 Sorry. There are two distinct movies that led me to this choice. The Harry Potter films, where he plays Lord Voldemort. Sure. And then uh, Schindler's List, where he plays a Nazi, and he scares the shit out of me. Yes. He is horrifying in that movie, and I need my Red Skull to have a little edge. I did a lot of digging through Nazi movies. Did for you? my, And I think Daniel Craig actually plays a Nazi in The Boy with the Striped Pajamas. That makes total... I've that, never I've never a, seen that movie, actually, but that makes complete sense uh, if he does. But that did he, not that actually factor... That man looks like a Nazi, for sure. Yes, yeah. that <laughs> didn't actually factor into my choice for him, but he totally does look yeah. like a Nazi. For Captain America... I went with an American who's blonde, muscular, and over six foot, and also a good actor, I think. I went with uh, Garrett Hedlund, who uh, okay. he plays Sam in Tron Legacy. Uh, he's been in quite a few things. He's a talented enough guy. I like him. He's uh, Achilles' cousin in Thor. or uh, Troy. Troy. Yeah. Uh, he's only 33, so he's young enough to step into the role, I think. Chris Evans is what thirty six now. He was awesome in Chris Mudbound. Evans. He's thirty. Yeah. Chris Evans is forty one. Is he really? Yes. Yes, Jeez he is. Louise. I think. I did not know that. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure he's in his forties at the very least, but I'm pretty sure he's forty one. Wow. Yeah. Damn. I, I my guess was thirty six. I guess I don't know how old Chris Evans. Oh, is. Chris Pine is only thirty seven. Really? Yeah. Jesus. And he looks older than Chris Evans. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Are you sure he's in his forties? I'm. Pr- if he's not, he's thirty nine. Maybe that that number also. Pops I'll look in my it head. up. You keep going, but he's, Christian. But he's at least almost forty. Huh. I did not realize. Chris Evans that is thirty six years old. Oh, oh man! My Never God. mind. He's the age I said he was. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! I must have gotten quiz. My quick quiz. Who's, I don't know. who's okay. older, Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth? Chris Evans. Chris Hemsworth is thirty seven. Really? Chris Hemsworth is 34. Oh. Chris Evans is older. I had no idea. But yeah, Garrett Hedlund's <laughs> a great actor, and uh, he looks like a super soldier. I hope you know I almost chose him for my Captain America. I was this close. Oh, but no cigar, baby. No cigar. Who'd you pick? All right, so, uh, yeah, okay, so you know one of them. Hans Landa. Yeah, um, so for Igor. <laughs> Dr. Zola. Um, if you're a B movie fan, you might know. If you're not, you might not. Um, he was. Uh, his name is Michael Berryman. He Ooh. is. He is from The I Hills exactly Have Eyes. Who that is. Yeah, yeah, you know who that is. Oh, He's from God. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yep. Also, um, I I don't know. I think that the the vibe. I th- I think this is this is gonna sound mean, but I think the vibe of being kind of ugly is important to the vibe of this character. Like he's. It's important to being like the sniveling underling, you know what I mean? Sure. Especially whenever written like this. And so I think my yeah, I think Michael Berryman, I think is perfect for it. 
um, he he really has had a lot of like low speech or not speech, no speaking roles or anything like that. But I don't think that that's so much important to uh, to the to this character. You know what I mean? Well, until Winter Soldier, when he's got like a model. well, I'm not casting Winter Soldier. That's true. Um, all right, so for Bucky Barnes, I chose Chris Pine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> is it because of his hair and the Wrinkle in Time trailer? No. No, honestly, I just think um, I think that Chris Pine, I think that he has, I think that Bucky Barnes in this movie has a little more of like that cocksure kind of swagger. And I think that Chris Pine uh, would definitely bring a good, oh, yeah. good kind of swagger to that role. Is... You know, he's handsome. He's a good actor. Yeah. Um, this is Captain Kirk we're talking about. He's got to have yeah, exactly, swagger. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I chose Amanda Seyfried. Who, All right. Um, you know, she was in Les Mis, and she showed some, some pretty good range in there, but she's also a pretty accomplished stage actress, and she has, for me, she has a good look as far as somebody who I think um, is, she she's played a lot of, like, driven, like, uh, not badass woman, but, like, uh, but like, kind of takes what she wants. Woman roles whenever she was playing in stage roles, and so Can I just think I just think that, that would British translate accent, well. Yeah, though. that's my big yes, answer. yes, because she did a British accent in Les Misérables, and she did a fine job. Oh, that's huh. true. Yeah, I forgot she was yeah, in that. she did a great job. Yeah. I would have gone with Lindsay Lohan's twin, who has the British accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and one half of a locket. <laughs> I think that's Lindsay. and she has claws, and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have claws. Oh man! All right, uh, for Red Skull, I went with Jackie Earl Haley. Ooh, Ooh me Jackie. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley. He's not. He's really not as physically imposing um, as some of the actors that you guys have mentioned. But uh, sure. hey, hey, I think that Jackie Earl Haley. Um, I think that he he's definitely a dedicated actor. You know, if he needed to bulk up, he could. Um, I think that his face and head shape um, are both very. Everything about who he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think. That he is like that kind of uh, that kind of sneering evil that I think would be great for the role of Red Skull as it's written here. And he's redheaded, so. Well, I don't. Is he anything headed? I'm pretty sure he's bald, bald now. right now. I don't he's think bald he's bald headed. Redheaded since Rorschach. <laughs> All right, and so. Yeah. For Captain America. Uh, for my Captain America, I chose Michael Vogel. Uh, he yeah he was in Cloverfield and he was in Under the Dome. Oh yeah. Oh, does he play uh, Barbie in Under the Dome? Is that who it is? I, I don't it's remember. Got, I, that's I don't gotta remember. be who it is. That's the only dude who looks like yeah yeah yeah. Uh, he a he has a great all American look. He doesn't have blonde hair, which is whatever. You know, hair is not a big deal. I mean, so much even in, in the MCU, they sort of phased out. Yeah, the blonde hair for a darker. He's brown. you know he's he's an accomplished actor. He's a good actor, and mm-hmm. and more so he. Uh, is one of the more all-American people that I could see. Just like that, he's got a good square jaw. He's got good piercing eyes. He's got a good-natured face. He he can definitely play a Boy Scout character. Yeah, he and is so, only five ten. Is he? Yeah, but you're right. He does have well, that. Okay. But I mean, Rogers. but I mean, they but they to they can fair, they can mess with that. Yeah, Tony you know what Stark I mean? play or Robert Downey Jr. plays a six foot Tony Stark, almost the same size as Captain America, and. 
I think Robert Downey Jr. is like 5'8 or 5'9. Is he really? Yeah, yeah he's he a short guy. Big, oh, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> big ass lifts. I'm 5'8, so yeah. I completely. Well, and you do kind of look like a young Robert Downey. He's 5'9. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I was kind of going through actors and I saw him and I just couldn't choose anybody else. I, I think that he would do a great job. Yeah, for sure. yeah he's great. I, God, wow. I think this is the first time where I've really liked all of our casts. Like every, yeah, I can see, I can casts. definitely oh, no. see the reasons for everybody's choice. But yeah. I sure. especially enjoy our pick for, uh, Erskine. I think we all had a good choice there. I know. And we're, man, with these movies, we're kind of, we're starting to run out of German people. Yeah. When we got to this one and it was like Hydra, I was eventually it's going to be Diane Kruger for everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Is she blonde? Diane Kruger. Let's rate it and wrap this up. All right. What'd you get it, B? I gave this movie an eight out of 10. I think it's pretty amazing. Uh, It does have some bad green screen in there, it is an origin story. And the villain's not totally fleshed out, so it's not perfect. Uh, there's room for improvement, but overall, I watching it again, I I realized how much I really like this movie. I decided to go kind of close to you and give it an eight out of ten, and I'm gonna tell you why. Mm. There were some green screen issues that I had that I didn't like. The character of Red Skull wasn't as fleshed out as I would have preferred. (laughs) There's definitely some room to grow, but absolutely. Watching this movie, I forgot how much I love it. Because anytime I think of, like, what is the best MCU movie, I think, oh, Winter Soldier. And then, like, this is one I forget about a lot. And it's not like Iron Man 2 where I forget about it and then watch it and go, oh, yeah, that's why I forget about it. It's weird that it does have, like, a forgettable quality to it. Yeah. Even though it's a totally great movie. It's totally solid. Yeah, absolutely. It's super enjoyable. I love this movie, and I don't know why I always just forget it exists. I think it's because the director, he makes these movies that are very much, like, great Spielberg movies, but it's not Spielberg doing them. It's just, like... He did October Sky also, and it's just kind of like a step. He did October Sky? Yeah. I love that movie. That's another reason he was chosen for this movie, because that's oh. a period movie. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, I don't know, it's like it just isn't culturally impactful yeah. enough, but the movies themselves are totally fine. Yeah. At, uh, honestly, I gave this movie an 8 out of 10. Uh well, Before, well. yeah, in my notes, in my notes, you can check my notes. There is an eight <laughs> out of ten in this movie. Wow! Let's see the notes. <laughs> um, I think that most importantly for me, this movie, uh, you know, sometimes superhero movies can get bogged down in their mm-hmm. motivations. They can get very confused. This movie never once does that. It doesn't let up. It doesn't drag. There's not a moment of this movie that drags for me. And man, um, that third act. Oh man, it's great. great. Solid. Yeah, I think I think that um, there are a couple of dialogue issues. I think that the villain, honestly, the villain could have been a little more. Um, he could have been a little more not intimidating to me, but uh, maybe a little more um, charismatic, like I was saying earlier. And that's a little of an issue that I have. Yeah. Um, but far and away, even the bad effects, they weren't distracting to me. They were just like, I wrote them off in my mind. You know, this movie, you know, to, visual effects increase, you know, they, they get better all the time. And so I, I really, I can't think of a problem that is glaring with this movie. So yeah, oh, eight yeah. out of 10, 100%. Solid, solid, solid movie put out by Marvel Studios. Absolutely. 
So, of course, guys, make sure to log on to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. It's all at SHF Podcast. I always mess up on that. Uh, we definitely want to hear from you guys. Get your feedback. Get ideas on what movies we're going to do next. Typically, we have it kind of planned out far in advance, but we could definitely be swayed. Um, also, make sure to log on to our Patreon. I recently got it set up. We're going to have it on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram also. Um, if you want to hear more of us, get bonus content, anything like that, make sure to donate. We'll definitely send you guys something good your way. Um, our uh, theme music is Eloise by Royal Headache. Um, of course, it's written by all of us. I produce and edit this podcast, Jacob Helker. Um, I think we're just about done. We'll see you next week as we continue the MCU. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I don't know what the fuck that was. (laughs) The wrong movie.